have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917-889-3675. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern Sense is Common Sense. to another adventure this Friday on Southern Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Enlightenment and Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, yes, YouTube, and iHeartRadio, up in half a dozen other places or more. I have no idea where we are. I don't know where I am at the moment. But I am your hostess with the least mostest, the Radio Chickadee, Eddie, along with my oh-so-what-the-heck-did-I-get-into-now to Jane co-host <laughs> Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. How are you? All right. I, I think I'm in America. It doesn't seem like the same place I remember, though. But I don't know. I don't know. Every, everything is upside down and inside out. It is. And I have to pop. Yeah, I have to apologize. I may seem a little flabbergasted today, but I was in the hospital last night. My blood pressure went through the roof. Thank you to the doctors and nurses that worked and the nurse that took five times to finally get the IV into me because my veins kept on moving around on her. Uh, but uh, we're here. We're here, and we're ready for another adventure here. I want to welcome the t- everyone that's watching and listening to us up on Facebook and YouTube and our homepage, Southern Sense. The video is up live on that right now, as well as here in the uh, chat room on Blog Talk Radio. We're going to have a fun show today. Things have gotten a little switched around, Curtis, uh, because we're going to start off with uh, Veja. She is a uh, musician, an uh, artist, uh, she does her own cinema and everything. She's also an actress. And she happens to be the daughter of a friend of the show. And uh, she has a new video music release out called People Are People. She'll join us at the start of the show. And her cover is actually by Deepesh Mose. And uh, it's interesting. It's, it's different. 
and we'll have fun with it anyway. We were supposed yeah. to have the um, Polish ambassador, uh, he's the council general here in New York, Adrian Kubicki, uh, but he had a last-minute uh, event that he had to show up at. Uh, well, I'm sorry, we're little peons here. <laughs> we don't count. <laughs> um, those that remember one of the major attacks after Clarence Thomas became uh, Supreme Court Justice, Robert Bork, and how we have the term now when the left goes after us being Bork. Well, his son follows in his daddy's footsteps, and he's the president of the Antitrust Education Project. He also heads the Bork Group, which is a public affairs agency. Robert Bork Jr. will be joining us, and he re-released his father's book, uh, and we're going to be talking about that, dealing with antitrust. Um, we're also going to have back Hannah Davis from the Heritage Foundation. So we have ourselves a lot to talk about and a lot to do. We still have the hearings going up in the uh, House Committee on the FBI whistleblowers and their uh, testimony. And, oh, boy, are things heating up there. Uh, we also have the Hunter Biden investigation. And that is really starting to hit the fan since the IRS dismissed the team and that was investigating Hunter Biden. Gee, I wonder who the who they did that favor for. <laughs> oh yeah, but they they'll tell you, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? We don't see no evidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Check the bank accounts. And it used to be follow the money. Just follow the money. Oh, man. So, like I said, we have a lot to talk about and a lot to do here. I want to, again, thank everyone for joining us. Uh, And as I am pulling up our home – no, that's YouTube. Where's my – oh, there's my homepage. Yes, there we are. (laughs) Waving at everyone. Yeah, we're here. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. I don't know where – Curtis, (laughs) it's going to be a crazy day today. Well, it's Friday. We can make we can make excuses for Fridays. Well, I don't know. I mean, we had a major weather front come through yesterday, uh, all day and into the evening, and I got to tell you, whatever this weather front was, it packed the emergency room. People were lining up on the walls in gurneys and chairs. I mean, it was absolutely wall to wall. And I, I, I'm telling you, people are out there, they're going nuts this weekend, and I don't know what's in the weather. It's not Friday the 13th, it's not a full moon, but something's in the water, and we're going to try to see if we can find out what the heck it is. But the crazies are out there. So it wasn't specifically because of the storms in particular, just people decided to come to the emergency room for one reason no, or no, another. No, no, I mean... Okay. And no, no, there were car accidents. Uh, there were drunks. Okay. There were assaults. I mean, there were you name it. There were incidents. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Were, I, I mean, I saw the city police. I saw the county deputies. I saw the state police. Um, there was one guy screaming up and down the hallway. It was it was an absolute zoo. I felt I was in the middle of the rush hour in a New York City emergency room. That's how packed it was. And on a Thursday afternoon, on a Thursday afternoon, you would think it'd be quiet. Mm -hmm. 
and it would be calm, but no, I mean, it was it was a three-ring circus, and God bless the men and women that worked in the ER. They kept things running, and they kept their, their spirits up. I didn't see anyone getting pissed off or yelling at anyone, and they'd come in the room as, as sweet as they could be. Just took them five times to get the ID in wow. me, but Must have been I'm a not going to explain. No, 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 it wasn't. It was uh, not. I checked. Well, with yeah, the I really, really dig in for yeah. the real full moon. Golly, if it was that yeah. bad last night, right to the full no, moon. it was. Promise. It was. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, let's move on with the show because people that do listen to the show know that we do start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going to go out to Senior Police Officer Trevor Abney. Abney. Uh, He's with the New Orleans Police Department in Louisiana. His end of watch was Sunday, April 9th of 2023. And I pulled this up originally from the Officers Down Memorial page that you can find at odmp.org. And it reads, Senior Police Officer Trevor, Trevor Abney succumbed to complications from a gunshot wound sustained on October 30th of 2020. He and his partner were stopped at the intersection of St. Philip Street and Royal Street when a passenger in a passing pedicab opened fire on them without provocation. Officer Abney was struck on the left side of his face, and his partner suffered cuts to his arm from the shattered windshield. The subject was apprehended after a foot chase through the French Quarter. He was then charged with two counts of attempted murder of a police officer following the initial shooting. Officer Abney was transported to the University Medical Center, New Orleans, where life-saving measures were performed. Doctors were unable to remove the bullet, which remained lodged in his brain and blinded him in the left eye. He succumbed to complications of the wound on April 9th of 2023. Officer Abney was a United States Army Iraq War veteran and had served with the New Orleans Police Department for seven years. He is survived by his wife and parents. And this is from Paul Murphy, Eyewitness News at WWITV. And he writes, Abney is remembered by the NOPD for his courage, commitment to duty, and strength while battling life-threatening injuries. The New Orleans police officer who survived an ambush in the French Quarter had passed. Trevor Abney passed away in his home on the North Shore. He died from complications related to a bullet wound to the cerebrum, suffered during the ambush, and his death has been ruled a homicide. Abney is remembered by the NOPD for his courage, commitment to duty, and strength while battling life-threatening injuries. The October 30, 2020 attack was caught on security video. Abney was shot in the face while sitting inside his patrol car near Royal and St. Philip Street. Police would let her say, Abney and his partner, Officer Brooke Duncan, 
who received only minor injuries were ambushed by a gunman passing in the back of a pedicab. Police arrested the gunman, 44-year-old Donald Linwood Hassel, within minutes of the shooting. Abney spoke about the attack in an exclusive interview several months later with former WWL TV anchor Karen Swenson. When I looked back up, I saw a round circle in the windshield, dead center, he said. I immediately knew that we were ambushed. I caught it in the left cheek, and I was instantly blind. I'm shot in the face, and I couldn't even cuss like I wanted. All that came out after that, primal sounds. The type of sounds I can't even describe in writing or recreate. Abney survived the shooting with a forty caliber bullet lodged in the middle of his brain right between his eyes. It was too dangerous to remove. That left Abney knowing one day he could possibly have a deadly seizure or stroke. With all the little bit of medical training that I've ever had, I'm like, there's no freaking way I should survive that, Abney said. I've become a little bit more religious after that. That's not just pure luck, he added. For, for it to wiggle worm its way around all of that and not just cause massive hemorrhaging, there's something else going on there. I've been doing a lot more praying than I did before. Officer Abney battled his injuries for two and a half years. Mayor Latoya Contrell sent her condolences to the Abbey family. He had a remarkable recovery and definitely just a sad loss to the New Orleans Police Department family and the city of New Orleans, and just unexpected. It was unexpected, she said. In a written statement, NOPD Interim Superintendent Michelle Woodfork said, All of us here at the New Orleans Police Department are deeply saddened to learn of the death of Senior Police Officer Trevor Abney. It is always difficult to receive the news of the passing of a fellow officer. Officer Abney was a valued member of the Police Department who served the community with compassion and professionalism. During his eight years with the department, Officer Abney received accommodation for exemplary performance in the line of duty that saved the life of a citizen as well as the Purple Heart Medal for injuries received in the line of duty. Officer Abney joined the New Orleans Police Department in 2015. Upon completion of the academy, he was signed as a field recruit in the 5th, 6th, and 8th districts. In December 2015, he began his permanent assignment in the 8th district, where he continued to serve with distinction until he was wounded. His presence will be greatly missed by all of his fellow officers, as well as people in the community. Our most sincere thoughts and prayers are with the family of Officer Abney during this tragic and difficult times. New Orleans Mayor Latoya Contrell issued a statement also on Abney's passing. It is with a heavy heart we mourn the passing of New Orleans Senior Police Officer Trevor Abney, who died unexpectedly. My deepest condolences to his family and the chief, to the New Orleans Police Department. Both have lost a man cherished and loved and dedicated. A decorated public service. 
Officer Abney would be greatly missed by his peers, family members, and the city of New Orleans. Officer Trevor Abney, stand down. You are end of tour, and we will take you from here. Today's show is dedicated to Officer Abney. It's also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We also dedicate this show to all the brave men and women that serve from the birth of this nation through today and into our promising future in our armed forces. We thank each and every one, and may God bless each and every one. We never say thank you enough. And we dedicate to them this song by our friend Tiffany, the soul of our nation.
of the nation. And we are back. You're here listening to Southern Sense live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Enlightenment Radio, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeart, Facebook, YouTube, and oh, half, half a dozen other places. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the least mostest, Annie, the Radio Chickadee, along with my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Oh, man, Curtis, I think I'm coming down with a cold. Yeah, every time I go to the oh, hospital, I come back that. sick. No, <laughs> I no, can't. Don't do that. I got my state GOP convention. I got to go to Columbia tomorrow. I can't get sick. Oh, no. You can't do that. Oh, that's, uh-uh. that's this weekend? That's, that's this weekend? weekend. Yep, that is. Oh, man. That is. So I can't get sick. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Oh, I'm just trying to. Our guest should be calling in the next few minutes. Hopefully she will. Um, I don't know if anyone watched any of the uh, testimony going before the ha- uh, Jim Jordan's House Committee uh, dealing with these FBI whistleblowers. But I'm telling you, uh, what is what we're hearing there is pretty damning. I mean, here are men that they most, just about all of them, had served in the military prior to going into the FBI. And here they swear allegiance to the United States Constitution and to their job as military. And they do the very same thing then as they're sworn in as FBI agents. And to have that very Constitution turned on its head against them, where they're deprived of their income, a place to live. In some cases, they were made homeless because of the actions of the FBI. And one gentleman had a baby that was just a handful of weeks old. And suddenly he's got no house to live in. He's sent across the country to a new, new post. And the day he goes to, to uh, show up for duty, his first day at the new post, they tell him, oh, you're in investigation. Uh, you're suspended. Uh, you have no place to live and you're not getting a paycheck. He's got a brand new baby. How do you throw a man like that on the street with his wife and kids? He wasn't even allowed. They raided his home. And confiscated all the all the <clears throat> contents of the home, so he didn't even have warm clothes for his kids. He didn't have blankets. He had nothing. Well, that's this, the, is, this is the, what our government stop. is doing to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That this stop is the United uh, States mentality. of America. This is. But this is the country we have devolved into. Are yep. we any worse than Nazi Germany? No, at this point, are we? I'm praying. That with the media out there opening their eyes, they're going to help us rip this wide open. And we can't let ourselves be shut up. We can't. We can't. But this may be our guest, Curtis. If you'll find out if we can, and we will be happy to bring her on. But I'm telling you, folks, keep an eye and see what the media is going to be reporting about this. Uh, because th- this, is, this is something that it's going to break wide open soon, and I, I think it will. And it is. It looks like it is our guest. So let's welcome her onto the show. Well, all right, Curtis and I are doing two different things. <laughs> I'm messing him up. I'm messing him up badly. Anyway, again, want to welcome everyone that's here listening to us uh, over here on uh, Facebook, YouTube, I, Stitcher, Spreaker, wherever the heck you're listening to us, as well as on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to everyone here. Uh, and hopefully we'll have ourselves straightened out if Annie stops messing things up. And I do believe we have our guest in. Uh, Zayda, yes. are you with us? Yes, ma'am. How are you guys doing today? 
All right. Uh, we are doing fine. I have to apologize. I'm a little discombobulated. Um, I was explaining oh, to uh, my listeners, I had been in the hospital, and I didn't get back home last night until after 9 o'clock at night. So everything I normally do on Thursday to prep myself for the show went out the window. <laughs> I was up at uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, and I just at that point, uh, I said, my eyes are really red and raw. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. <laughs> and whatever happens. glad you're okay. <laughs> are you okay, though? Whatever happens, happens. Uh, yeah, just my blood pressure went through the roof, and uh, I have to keep an eye on it. And they just—they got me back under control, so I'm—I'm I'm good. I'm here. I'm—I'm I'm doing fine. Well, <laughs> Listen, we had your—we had your dad on the show uh, last week, and he was bragging about you. And as <laughs> I was doing what little research I was able to do, last Sunday was Mother's Day. And you did a very, very touching tribute to your mom. And the video had your dad and mom standing on either side of you at an award ceremony. And, you know, it just, I wanted, it was bringing tears to my eyes. It was just so touching how your parents supported you all the way through on your career and how much they love you. It just shined in the film you put up. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words. (laughs) <laughs> Don't you uh, I'll, I'll try not to <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah um, thank you first and foremost for having me on the show um, I am just truly blessed to have the parents that I have um, they definitely raised my brother and I very well and I'm very grateful um, for what they've done and uh, they've been my inspiration my whole life and they saw that I had a dream as a little girl um, I love music and I love films and I've always had a gift uh, for playing guitar and, and um, piano, and, and I've always been inspired by other artists growing up. And, um, yeah, it was just a dream of mine to have um, my uh, directorial debut of People Are People, which is a cover by Depeche Mode that I did um, with Oscar-nominated film composer Steve Horner. And um, it was a dream to have it at the Chinese Theater, and for my parents to be there um, to see my dreams come true was definitely um, an honor and, and a blessing. So I'd like to thank my parents for well, everything I, they've done. Hi, mom and dad. I'm sure they're listening. But, um, yeah. Well, I want people to, I uh, I, to, to know, to get to know you a little bit because you're just a name and my listeners are not accustomed because every once in a while I bring in your know, musicians on here like I did last week, uh, but it's few and far between. So this is something different, something special for them. So to let them know who you are, you actually are a military brat you and your brother and you also come from a mixed parentage you know your mother was asian hawaiian your father african-american decorated member of the military service so you had a different upbringing than you know the average you know person on the street you know less than 10 percent serve in the military so you had a different way of looking at everything around you and different influences came into your life and i found it strange um, growing up as a child of the 60s and 70s, I grew up in the era as rock came through and into the advent of heavy metal and surprised <laughs> to find that it. you, through your mom, gravitated towards that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because um, because I've moved, or we moved so much, it was, it was nice to meet a, a plethora of different types of people from all walks <clears throat> of life. So I had to learn how to adapt very quickly. We've lived in like eight different states and cities and um so basically i was always had different influences of music and i've always felt like i've been an old soul 
Um, I really loved classic rock growing up, and Led Zeppelin, um, one of my favorite classic rock bands, and the first song I ever taught myself on the guitar was um, Led Zeppelin's um, Stairway to Heaven. But before I get to that, my mother took me to my first Metallica concert when I was 12 years old for my birthday. I'll never forget, ninth row seats for my birthday, I took a limo. It was the best concert, and they blew me away, and I said, Mom, I want to play guitar. Metallica is amazing, and she bought me my first Fender Stratocaster and a, a crate amp, and I locked myself <laughs> in the room, and I would just listen to this music over and over again, playing by ear, and uh, Master <laughs> of Puppets was another song I learned, but, but Stare to Heaven was the first song I actually learned, but Metallica was the band that inspired me to play guitar, but I was just listening to my parents had, you know, so many great records. Um, my dad still had a lot of vinyl records, and I remember listening to so many great uh, bands, and David Bowie and Pink Floyd, especially. My parents loved Pink Floyd, and, um, and Wish You Were Here is another song I learned. So I just, I've always just had appreciation for classic rock and just um, Michael Jackson as well. I mean, um, and Grateful Dead. Did you see that? Yeah. Grateful Dead. Oh, I love Grateful Dead. Well, now you <laughs> Well, now you're Pardon? making me feel really, really old because I actually saw uh, Jethro Tull do a Stairway to Heaven. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, do yeah. Stairway to Heaven live, live. And what about you? Oh, really? Best, I guess. That I'm sorry. Cool. I, Coliseum, Coliseum was right about you know five or six miles away from my house. And you, they come through New York and they would all go through Nassau Coliseum. I, I think it's called something else now. But I would see Bad Company. Um, Jethro Tull, uh, Chicago, uh, you name it. I mean, here I am with my girlfriend, and she and I, my parents would just drop us off. We were like 15, 16 years old, and they'd just drop us off, and they'd say, we'll pick you up later <laughs> when it's done. There was no cell phones. There were no beepers oh or anything God. like that. And, of course, oh here's these two little cheeky boppers, and the doobies are flying over your head. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you go to Woodstock? <laughs> Uh, uh, did, you, did you ever go to Woodstock? The Wood, Woodstock? No, no, no. Actually, my, my late husband did. My late husband did. And he was he was 10 years older than me, so he was up there uh, for wow. everything. <laughs> yeah. That must <laughs> yeah. have been sick. <laughs> like I That's said, awesome. I mean, yeah. you're making me now feel old. <laughs> no, don't feel old. You know, it's, it's, you're, you're wise, and, and, and I think it's cool that you've experienced all that because that's – for me, that's where I love like classic rock and like. Do you remember um, Ina Gata Davida by Iron Butterfly? Oh yes. Uh, oh yes. I love. That. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. So, yeah. I, I, oh, I, I uh, listening to Mountain. Uh, oh my God! I I could I half the stuff I even forget, and then all of a sudden I hear it play. It's like oh geez, I haven't heard that in years. Yeah, there's a, there's yeah. a lot. Uh, holy moly. And I'm yeah. trying to think of uh, wasn't I'm trying to think of uh, oh Grand Funk Railroad, the first original million Vanilli <laughs> Grand Funk Railroad. That's funny. Uh, yes, but you know I, I found it interesting that you did gravitate towards something like Metallica because you know that's not what I would imagine someone as as young as you are would be drawn more to. Uh, that's which surprised me. Because now, like you said, yeah. as an old soul, you, you do gravitate towards that. Um, yeah. It's amazing how our parents can also uh, influence our choices. Uh, because few people realize that, you know, I sometimes when I want to just zone out, 
I'll turn on, turn on Pandora and I'll go into classical music. And I love classical music. I will go to sleep with that just to calm me down. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how yeah. our parents have influenced our choices throughout life. Oh, my parents were a big influence on me. Uh, and also my brother, he was the one that got me into Grateful Dead and especially Depeche Mode. I mean, Depeche Mode is my all-time favorite band in the world. Um, their music has always resonated with me and um, their, their music is timeless. And even to this day, I can listen to all their records on repeat and never get sick of it. There's just something about the frequency and the sound and their choices, and I just it just really resonates with me. So that's why they're they're my favorite band, and that's why I did People Are People because that song just really touched me, especially you know because I'm I'm biracial, and uh, I grew up with my family, and we had to deal with a lot of challenges growing up, and especially my parents, and they paved the way for my brother and I to have a better life, and I'm very grateful of that, and um, it is important that you know, we have um, parents that teach, you know, our young kids, you know, how to have respect and morals and, and um, honor and whatever we do and to love people for who they are and, and not be color or race because we are people and we have to love each other. And, you know, absolutely. you know, Tiger Woods seemed to have um, overcome all those type of um things, uh, racial things, with just his uh, sheer talent and ability. That's what people look towards uh, when they see Tiger Woods. They don't look at, you know, his his race or, you know, you know whether he's, you know, biracial or this or that and the other. They look at yeah. him as a talent, and and that's a, that's a beautiful thing, you know, going forward. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. I agree. Well, now you you're not just a, a singer, guitar player. You're also an actress. Uh you also produced your own videos. So there's a lot of talent around. You've also worked in several different uh areas of Hollywood such as you did CSI an episode there. You've done a couple of different movies. Um you also had classical training in acting too. Yes, ma'am. I went to film school and um, took acting classes. I went to Stella Adler here in Hollywood. And I just, I, even with films, my brother got me, like my brother has been a very big influence in my life as well because I have an older brother. And my favorite movie in the whole world is Blade Runner, the, the very first one. And I can just tell you that movie has basically paved the way for me. It's like how I see things and um, I just, I've seen so many great films and I feel like music and film are tied together. So I find I've been so passionate about both industries and I feel like they're as one. So I'm just very passionate about creating art and making sure that anything that I do, that I touch is unique and it's never been done before. I want something that has more essence behind it and not just do something that's already been done because I like creating things that are original. And um, I feel like everything that my brother and my family has inspired me to see and and, and, my, and and also my experience growing up, it's just everything that I create has to be something that's original and unique. So, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a little bit jealous, too. Um, I've always had a dream. <laughs> I always had a dream that one day... One day I would sing the the, uh, the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, and I, the only way I came pretty close, um, uh, my girlfriend and I, we went to the Trump inauguration. She was working for one of the congressmen, so we got up up close. 
But when they did the national anthem, I'm singing my heart out. And my girlfriend looks at me. She goes, dang, I didn't know you could sing. <laughs> well, you it's, it's never too late. <laughs> well, I don't know at my age. <laughs> but um, but you did it not you once. Know, age, you know, age is only by a number. Twice. You're never too old. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's why I'm, I'm not older. I'm wise. Thank you. I'm gonna that's use right. That beautiful, now. beautiful and wise. <laughs> oh, thank you. That means your father was lying to you about, about what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> no, my father never lied. <laughs> so he's honest. So honest gentleman. Being an old soul, and me knowing your father, you must know what a LP and forty-five uh, record is. Yes, sir. Long play. Right. Okay. She's old school. All right. <laughs> that I'm old school and new right school. There. You know, I could go for, you know, 8-track and uh, CD. I mean, I was cassette tapes, but we won't go there. Oh, I'm all no, about No, I'll go even further because I've got a Victrola in my living room, uh, and I do have the 38. Uh, they wow. actually allowed the 38 to go back you? to the late 20s and 30s. Oh, yeah. You're an OG. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. But now, like, real to real. I was what I was mentioning is that you did do the national anthem not once but twice at the Staples Center. And what was that like? It was a dream come true. It, um, I was blown away that I had the opportunity to do it. Um, Jerry West is my mentor, and he's the one that um, gave me that amazing opportunity. And um, I did it um, during the Lakers game versus my hometown, Indiana Pacers. So that was pretty Jerry cool. West. My first time, and I, I just, it was such an honor, and I did it for our country, and especially my father, who has, you know, served our, our amazing um, United States of America to fight for our country, and uh, it was just such an honor to do that. And then they asked me to come back again for the Fourth um, of July for the WNBA uh, Sparks, and this was cool, because they had all these, the Girl Scout uh, girls there behind me with the flags, and it was just great. So doing it a second time was, was amazing, and I look forward to do it, doing it again, and hopefully the next time will be NFL. So I'd love to oh, well, my, so far someday. My other, dream is, my other dream is to, gentlemen, start your engines at a NASCAR race. That's got to be a cup. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> oh, no. Awesome. Uh, let me put it this way. Um, there was one time um, I had to yell at someone to stop, and I was on a foot post, and the nearest foot post was another two blocks down in New York City. And I yelled it so loud that they came running two blocks over thinking I was in trouble. Wow. <laughs> I can belt so... it out. <laughs> I can belt it out. Aw, <laughs> that's awesome. No, actually, I actually scared Newt Gingrich once. I did. The <laughs> press was crowding the stage, causing the stage to start tip over, and I bellowed, get off the stage! And he stopped and looked at me like, and that tiny little thing came this roaring voice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Wow, so <laughs> It's the mouth that roars. <laughs> Go ahead, you, mentioned, yeah. uh, you mentioned NBA legend Jerry West. Um, have you been um, fortunate to run into some of your your role models in person, the people oh, you look um, up to, admire? 
yeah, I mean, because of my mother, um, I got to meet Martin Gore, Depeche Mode, when I saw them um, back in Florida during the Violator tour. The Violator record was my, one of my favorites. But um, I got to meet him and uh, took a picture with him. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because everything I've ever dreamed about and manifested, it's come true. And me even being in Hollywood is a dream. But, yeah, I mean, um, I met Adrian Young from No Doubt. Um, it was, like, around high school. My friend was kind of dating one of, um, the bass player, and they invited us to Jacksonville. And we went on the tour bus, and I met Gwen Stefani and the whole band. And I remember talking to Adrian Young, and I said, what does it take to make it? Because I, my dream is to move to Hollywood and, um, you know, pursue my, my music career. And he's like, well, it took us a decade to make it. And uh, just whatever you do, don't give up on your dreams. And literally a decade later, I, I come to Hollywood with my mother, and she's my manager. And she goes, um, she gets me into guitar centers. Um, they have 60 posters of me across the United States holding my guitar next to, uh, like, all of, like the rock stars, like, you know, uh, Robert Smith from The Cure, who's also one of my idols. And I go to the drum-off competition, and I walk the red carpet. The guy that shot me, Robert Knight, uh, he's a very famous photographer. He's like, they should go stand next to Adrian Young's No Doubt. And I saw him and I was like, Adrian, I don't know if you remember me, but I met you over a decade ago. And you told me to never give up on my dreams. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for inspiring me to come to Hollywood with my mother and I'm out here trying to make it. So thank you. And he tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, let me know if you ever want me to play drums on your record. You just take my cell phone number. I'm like, oh, really? Shoot. He's like, yeah. Oh, shit. I, I could not believe what that what just happened right there. And he and I I actually called him and he came up and drove up from Long Beach and played on my first EP, which was an alternative rock uh, EP called um, Waken by Silence. And he made he he literally came up and it was just the coolest experience. And I, I just like to thank Adrian uh, Young for that. But that's a, one of the, the best highlights of my life but uh yeah he's one of my um mentors and idols too so it was cool well, but yeah there's just there's just you, so many people that i've met in, in my lifetime and, and my idols that it's just been a blessing it's like you, you meet people in your life and you 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 get a piece of them you know and, and a lot of musicians and, and artists and even actresses and um athletes that i've met they're just so inspiring and i I look up to a lot of people, and it's it's great. So, well, before we get to playing your song, I just want people to get a little bit more of a feel for you. Um, oh, good lord! I just was worked at a great question in my mind. Oh, I forgive me. Uh, you do a lot of live performances, and you've got some of those videos up on your YouTube channel, which I encourage people to to watch to see because. They can listen to your music, but to see you perform it brings it up to a whole new level. Um, what are some of the favorite places you love to perform at and then film that performance to put up for your, your, your fans to watch and listen? Well, I can tell you right now that the, 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 the best place I felt like it was such an honor to play at was the Viper Room. Uh, and I got to play that with Adrian Young, no doubt. That was my favorite place to play at because it was such a legendary venue. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then um, I got to play and open up for uh, Metal School, which is now Steel Panther, and that was a place called the Key Club. 
so this was all in Sunset Strip. Um, most bands, even, I mean, a lot of uh, bands that I've, you know, talked to and stuff, and everyone knows that if you can play down the Sunset Strip, that's, that's like, it's very historic. So uh, for me to have played at these places was uh, such a blessing. So, yeah, like, um, there's been, and Staples Center was great to play at, too, but I look forward to doing more uh, more shows. Uh, this year, I just got to finish writing more more music, but yeah, Viper was probably the nicest now, place. When you do these shows, you have a set band that go, that works with you all the time, correct? Well, at this time, I'm I'm going to start um, auditioning bandmates to be in my band because I'm a solo artist. So every time I've done projects, I put the band together. So it's not like a ah. solo band yet, but it, but it will be. <laughs> You want to keep a steady sound, then you want to keep it consistent, then, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. Well, I'm. I, I work with um, my my current producer, Steve Horner. So we're the ones that are producing and and creating the music, and then the band's going to accommodate uh, what I'm producing with him. So that's how that's how we're doing it right now. So. All right now, your outfits. You know, girl to girl, we got to talk. Those are some really absolutely stunning and <laughs> outrageous at times outfits. Is there any one person you. you go to, or is it just that people come with ideas to you and you say, hey, listen, I'll take that one. Forget about that. <laughs> well, it's, it's, my, my, mother, my mother and I have always been uh, pretty good about uh, finding my own style. And, I'm, and when I was playing in my, um, my first rock band out here, my mother actually made me a lot of those cool outfits herself. She's so talented with that and my grandmother passed away and um she had this really cool purple outfit that she my mother kept and my mom made my dress uh so I it was kind of cool to wear that to pay homage to my grandmother um but a lot of the stuff that you see like especially in like my music video I styled myself um I'm just very uh, particular with everything I do I'm very much into detail and I love clothes that are like avant-garde and just edgy and sexy but always classy You'll never see me twerk, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you show up in a pair of raggedy old shorts and a T-shirt, you're still going to look sexy because you're an absolutely stunning, stunning individual. Uh, and oh, I, I'm sure it, it doesn't turn your fans away. <laughs> That's for sure. You're sweet. Thank you. <laughs> now, also, I... I I see that you love to change your hairstyle. You know, most people, you get one style and you stick to like one or two variations of it, but you (laughs) like to just test the waters. And you know what? You look fantastic in every single one of them. I recently cut and dyed my hair and I'm looking at my face in the video going, what the hell did you just do to yourself? (laughs) (laughs) You're funny. Thank you. Yeah, I love love, um, changing my hairstyles all the time. And I'm an artist, so I think I have... um, I have a, a way of just presenting myself like a chameleon, and I, I think when you're a creator, it's good to be different and, you know, show different sides of me. So, Absolutely. Now, the song that you just debuted, People Are People by Depeche Mode, um, it is a perfect time to release something like this because we're finding so many people no longer can get along with their neighbors. I mean, growing up, you always had that crazy Uncle Charlie, and you'd go to Thanksgiving dinner, of course, it's always loud and boisterous, and by the time the night was over, it's like, ah, I'm glad I don't have to see Charlie for another year, but you still loved him. 
it was a real crazy uncle. You still got along. You still sat down and you ate. And you shared drinks. And you still got along. But you always knew that, hey, listen, that's their quirks. So what? Just move on and accept them for who they are. But for some reason, our society is not doing that anymore. How do we bring them back together? With this song, People Are People. I hope I can be a great role model to our next generation and to our current um, society. And I just, I, I don't understand what, where's all the anger coming from. I, I'm, I've always been built off peace, love, and happiness, love, love my neighbor, and, and um, I've always been just a positive person. And, um, and I, I still feel like it's important that it comes from the home. Parents are very important in a child's life and that um, the younger generation is to learn and respect our parents no matter what because, you know, they're the ones that give us vision and, and, and um, respect for others. I mean, I mean, we have to have rules. I mean, I, I'm a, I think there's nothing wrong with having rules in, in life and society, and people need to understand that and respect that um, because if you don't, then people are going to run wild like, you know, crazy animals. So it's important to for me as an artist to be a great role model and to project, you know, positivity through my music. And, you know, I, if I, you know, I feel like all artists, it's, it's our duty. If we have a gift, we have to give it away. I don't do music for myself. I do it for humanity because we're all going to die. The goal is not to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Well, you know, well, you know I, I would I, say that, I would say that music has always been a medium that brought people together, no matter what their background or culture or whatever. Um, you can just see some of the concerts. You know, you got a blend of people. And um, I like music because of that reason, you know, besides the good music and how it sounds. I just wanted to add that. I think that's beautiful, and you're right, because music can change the world and there's something about music and it's a frequency of of connection and I, I saw a great video about this um, I think she was like 85 years old a beautiful um, mother uh, grandmother and she she was a, a famous ballet dancer and she had dementia and they um, gave her headphones and Played her favorite songs that she danced to, and she never moved and everything. But when she they put the headphones on, she just woke up out of her coma in a way, and she was dancing in her wheelchair. I cried and I had goosebumps, but it just shows you the power mm. of music. It just literally woke her up, and they had flashes of her scenes of her dancing when she was young. It was the most beautiful, touching thing. But I don't know what the um, the lady's name was, but if you Google it. Uh, Older woman with dementia, ballet dancer. It was so touching, but for me, that that is just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And they've done this test on a lot of older people. Uh, it's just it's something about music that just resonates and, and makes them remember things. And it also just brings you back to a time, you know, when you hear a song. It's just so beautiful. Well, there's also uh, you know this very well. Um, there are people that can play a a song or some music, but all they're doing is they're reciting the notes. There's no emotion. There's there's nothing of themselves being put 
into it. Whereas someone like yourself and others, when you play the music or when you sing the song, you are the music. You are the song. And that's the difference where you can hear a certain song and it just doesn't move in your least bit. But when you hear the music that you play, it resonates inside the individual. And I've noticed that all the songs that I've been able to listen to that you have, um, there's a message, there's a purpose, and there's definite emotion that you, you try to evoke and try to send out to the person as part of the message in the song. That's not easy to oh, do. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, everything that I... It's really interesting. I've, 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 I was thinking about this the other day. I think a lot of the songs that I've... My original stuff that I've written, it's always about love. And it's it's either been, you know, songs of love about being hurt or or about loving someone or losing somebody. Um, but, yeah, I just... I, I feel like it's coming from my soul, which is, is always going to be about love. Because love is a beautiful Well, I thing. wish I... Well, I, I wish I could get the video up on right here on YouTube and Facebook, but I can't. Uh, we'll play okay. the music, but I'm telling people they want to see this video, which they should. They really should. It would really bring home what you're trying to say in the song. If they go to your website, which is Vaya Music, V-A-J-A Music, uh, they can see it. You also have it up on your YouTube channel, as well as your IMB, uh, uh, your uh, I am BP brain fart there. Yeah. Funny. I've got one of them too, and I just forget that I have it up there. It just sits there. It's, <laughs> I pay it's for okay. it too. Hey, it's I all good. It yeah, they could just they they could just go to vajamusic dot com. That's v a j a music dot com, and then all my other social media links are on there. But yeah. Well, as, as people listen to the show, a lot of them listen to the archives. There's a link on the show description under People to People. All they do is click on People to People, and they can go straight to your page and watch the video and listen to the music. So if you're willing, I will play your song, People Are People. Are you ready? I was born ready. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Here we go.
Thank you, guys. It was absolutely awesome. And at the end, people, when they watch it, they see all the credits and all the people that helped you uh, put this all together. Phenomenal group of people that you had worked with and talented actors on there. Uh, absolutely wonderful. And you, you did the, the whole production. Little tiny you. Oh, well, I couldn't have done it without my, my dream team. It was very... Um, it was it was an honor to um, work with so many great, talented people, my crew, um, and I couldn't have done it without them and my sponsors and everybody a part of it and my friends um, who are all actors in my video. Just it, it takes it takes a village. So um, and it takes two separate yeah. two special people in there too. I noticed their names. The, I I do my homework. There was two special names in there. Mm, I wonder who they were. Uh, was it uh, same last name as yours? <laughs> yes, <laughs> my parents. My my parents were. Yeah, they were uh, part of the uh, executive producer team, and um, and uh, I had a lot of great people involved, and and um, it was just a dream come true. I can tell you that. And I'd like to thank everybody who helped helped our project. Uh, come to fruition because it took us um, two years to get this video done. Uh, I had to raise the money on my own and and, um, and take our time to find the locations and everything just came together. I, I believe if you put out good energy in the world, it comes back to you. So that's how I see things. That's true. It is, it is absolutely beautiful and I wish you a lot of luck and um Come back again and give your mom and dad a hug from us because you know what? They raised an amazing, amazing young woman, and I'm sure your brother's just as fantastic as you are. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate your kind words, and thank you from the bottom of my heart for having me on your show. And you guys have been great, and um, thank you so much. Well, God bless. 
It has been. Thank it has you. been an absolute honor with you. You take care now. <laughs> Thank you. You All guys right, have a great your, day. You too. And you can find her at Deja, V-A-J-A, music.com. Uh, check her out there. All right, Curtis, I see that you've got uh, someone else in here that I didn't know she was going to show up. But it is a great pleasure. Yeah, Lucretia, <laughs> our good old hey. firebrand from Georgia. Oh, yes. Yeah, I just thought she just, yeah, just, she just stuck in on us. And it, that, that's great. Yeah. Thank you for for fooling me. <laughs> well, I appreciate being asked to come back on. Yeah, I... oh, you, you know you're always welcome, but you know I have to. I have to. It, it's mostly my fault because between my husband getting really sick and passing away, and then everything hit me all at once. Just my mind has not been. It is getting back. It's getting back, <laughs> and I got a new man in my life that's helping me do that. <laughs> all right, now. All right. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's no snow on the top of this uh, this roof here. <laughs> the thrill ain't gone. That's all I'm saying. Wow. So what's going on up there in Georgia? Nothing is really going on. Paying attention to all the impeachment inquiries that Marjorie Taylor Greene is doing, you know, keeping my eye out on um, not only what's happening in the United States, the pause of the debt ceiling. We had our rally last week. I'm still doing the shows, getting, you know, Still out there speaking, just, you know, trying to get people to pay attention to what's going on. Um, Stacey Abrams, is she still giving you a really hard time down there? Oh, no, she done disappeared. Don't call her back up. I have nobody heard from her. <laughs> and, oh, no, ma'am, don't do that. But uh, <laughs> we uh, have not heard anything about her. Well, I heard last I heard she was going to different states trying to close up her trouble there. Uh, but uh, I haven't seen hide her hair. I mean, I guess maybe hopefully the media forgot about her. <laughs> we haven't. Well, I wouldn't even say it like that. Remember, we didn't hear a hide a hair of John Kerry or Barack Obama. And look what we found out they was doing the whole uh, session of President Trump tenure. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, let's just hope that uh, we can get our nation back, because uh, right now DeSantis was up in uh, New Hampshire, and it, I didn't get to watch the end of his his little spiel, but he, he sounded like he was running. And well, I don't know about that. He, um, until he gets out there and decides that he's going to run, way to go, DeSantis! Well, all he's doing is for Floridians. But regardless if he jumps in the race or not. I'm going to stand beside Donald J. Trump, and no one else is going to do it after he's been attacked this almost time. So the best person that I'm an 80-20 with when it comes to leading the United States and getting back on Trump, I mean, on track, will be Donald J. Trump. I could care less who jumps in the race. I don't care if it's Tim Scott. I don't care if it's Nikki Haley. I don't care if it's the uh, world elitist whispering in other people's ears. It's going to be Donald J. Trump for me until I learn that he slept with Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I don't know. That, that, that just put something really bad in my mind. <laughs> now I can't get rid of that. I, oh, come yeah, on. I need therapy I just, now. Pull... <laughs> you know what? Therapy. It's like this. Shocker that he's a billionaire and had many, 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 many girlfriends and liaisons. They didn't got nothing to do with me. 
his life and his personal life before he was decided to come down the escalator had nothing to do with me. And, you know, if he was being praised by the NAACP, he was being praised by the Democratic Party, he was being praised by the progressives and the rhinos. So this man has been concrete and consistent in his belief of God, family, and country, and I'm going to stick with that man, and that's Donald J. Trump. No, yeah. I, he's not paying Absolutely. me. So anybody out there say, oh, she, he's paying her. No, I pay attention. That's totally different. <laughs> Girl, we miss you. We miss you. And I have to make sure I don't do that again and, and get you back on. Matter of fact, I was coming across something just two days ago, and I saw your name, and I said, you know what? I got to pick up the phone and call her. I re- honestly, you truly did. And you were on my mind. So, you know, you're not too far away from my heart. I'm going to tell you this, like I tell everybody else, that I respect, honor, and admire. And that has been in this type of field for a very long time. When the Holy Spirit or God Almighty Jesus Christ places you randomly on, places my name randomly on your heart or in your spirit, that means that I'm being attacked or I need to be lifted up or I need prayer. So never, ever doubt the Holy Spirit because he never makes uh, accidents, and I don't believe in coincidences. So when you were saying a couple of days ago that you were supposed to pray for me, which people did not know is that I would got into a very deep depression because we held the faith over fear when you put so much energy in an event and then it's all said and done. My mind usually goes to the negatives of what I could have done, should have done, uh, if I could have go back in time. So I sat on my couch all day Monday having a woe is me attitude, doubting everything that God has placed in my life. So at that time that he asked you to pray for me is because I was very, very, very dark Monday. And I appreciate it if you was one of the people that lifted me out of that darkness. I was. I was. I was sitting there going, you know, I have to talk to that girl, and I'm just praying and hoping that everything was all right with you, honestly. That was what was going on in my mind, and it was telling me that I've got to get a hold of you. So see that? Curtis was the facilitator. And I guess and the good I sent him the message to bring your butt over here. And I should have listened to Curtis. I should have listened to you all these many years that I have to tread lightly and don't trust a lot of people. So what I failed to do is continue to promote myself, my mom, and my husband and all the hard work we did, and I put our lives on pause for someone else. But I promise you that will not happen again and that I must focus on the path that God has placed me on regardless if I stumble and trip, but just get up, dust my kneecaps off, and keep on going. And you're still doing the Real News podcast, right? Yes, ma'am. Tonight's show is 1352. Wow. 1350. I don't even know what number I'm up to. I can't tell you. I mean, after 13 years, I have no idea. You know but what, I, uh, know we I have, have a live chat, and we talk about all of the events that are happening that day. We don't run out of topics, and we just have a great time and entertain and read articles and inform each other, because if we don't hold each other accountable as being a community, red, yellow, black, white, gay, or straight, then we're going to truly allow this nation to fall, but at least we wake each other up and talk about What's right there right now, no matter if it's from the BBC all the way to lamestream media, a whole bunch of people just get in our chat room and we talk about what's going on. And maybe that's why a whole bunch of us wasn't bamboozled by that scamdemic. Mm, that's, that's, that's wonderful. But you want a little something on a lighter note? 
I, mm-hmm. I, I love it when someone ends up shooting themselves in their own foot. Do you remember Uh-oh. Sam Britton? Yeah. Oh, he got the arrested form- again. He was on the fugitive watch list. They arrested him yesterday. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Now, we, I just shared that article. I'm going to talk about that thing tonight. <laughs> well, I'm stealing it. <laughs> no, you're stealing it from me. But it came but across he got arrested. Guess what airport they finally, you know, put him as a felon on. He was at Reagan's International. Are you crazy? <laughs> Let me advise everybody out there. There's too many politicians, too many dignitaries, too much Secret Service, too much TSA to think you're going to get away with anything at Reagan International Airport. And for this guy to be part of the nuclear squad and, and, and stealing other people, you couldn't afford those tacky dresses he was stealing? I'm asking myself now because he wasn't cute. That was not cute. <laughs> That was a that was the fugliest guy I ever saw in the dress. That's a I'm true sorry. definition of a demon. Okay, a demonatic person. You look at his eyes. It's people want to say, and my grandmother let me say this. My granddaddy, you know, watch people. Look them in their eyes when you're shaking their hands. If you get a funny feeling, the windows are the eyes to the soul. His eyes is creeped, omatic. It seemed like everyone that well almost. All of them have something about them that makes my neck tick, that wants me to back away. That's everybody in the West execs. That's, uh, that is Biden. That is Hunter. That is all of them. It's something about their aura that is completely, they should not be in office. They shouldn't be. No. And now no. finding out about the whistleblowers in the FBI and how they have targeted conservatives, targeted Catholics, targeted parents, and to tick up numbers for domestic terrorists, that's a shame. That is a shame. No, it is. It is absolutely. And, you know, when I was hearing about all this other stuff and hearing about the attack on the Roman Catholics, now I was raised Roman Catholic, Italian Roman Catholic, because you can't get any more Roman Catholic than an Italian. Um, And my mom with her church one day was doing – uh, this rally, they're doing a prayer rally. They just stood at a main intersection on the curb out of everyone's way and prayed. And they were praying for life. They were praying for the pre-born child. And it was a pro-life prayer rally. And I made my mom a T-shirt for herself and for me. And on the front, and I, I swear I am going to find the design. I'm going to put it up and, and put it on my webpage if people want to order it through me. But it's a Madonna shaped woman holding an infant and on the back it quoted Timothy where he said I knew you in the womb and on the front I wrote on it it said I thank God my mom chose life and you think here you got these these women uh, protesting for pro-choice well if their mother had made that pro-choice moment they would not exist and or never Why in the world are the ones that are breathing trying to eliminate the ones that are not? Yes. There's, there's two arguments there that no one ever asked them. And, and if you were to ask them, they have no answer except my choice, my body. Wait a minute. That heart is a separate heartbeat. That brain is a separate brain. The only thing that connects it to you is an umbilical cord that once cut, his life or her life is completely independent of you. So, no, it's a separate life. 
when you want to think about it physically. But if you listen to what we are told in the Bible, that we were known before we were even born, we were known to be individuals, children of God. What part of a separate individual do you not get? The ones that are scrubbing out of the biblical Holy Scripture. What do you expect when the New World Church literally went to Mount Sinai two months ago? Went to Mount Sinai when Moses came down to the, from the Ten Commandments from the mountains. Those, um, the New uh, World Church just went up to Mount Sinai and came back with their own Ten Commandments. But what do you expect when they allow the Vatican to literally change the prayer? I'm sitting here like, how in the world, where's the church? Where's the church? Where's your mama now? Okay, they probably passed away. Uh, but where, where is us picking up that mantle? Where is us picking up that torch? Where is us, the ones that are supposed to be out here, and be bold and in truth? I forgot we're being targeted by way also um, Maverick Garland in the rest. Never mind, I answer my own question. <laughs> so who do we turn to? Yeah. Who do we turn we to? Because we have a constitution of the United States, and we are seeing the treasonous acts that are coming from the head of the snake. Who do we turn to yeah. to get our nation back besides ourselves? And that's not including being attacked from the southern border with this invasion. Oh, uh, yeah, I want to ask you about that. Um, how are Georgians um, liking this um influx of um, illegals to their sanctuary cities. Are they still embracing this, or are they starting to rethink this? We have no, me personally, I have no idea about what's going on in Atlanta, because Atlanta, it's a couple of the blue cities that are sanctuary, but look what happened with Keisha Lance Bottom, Black Lives Matter. You have a lot of people within side of Atlanta that is is getting very angry. Let me shock you for a minute, CS. There have been a lot of violence on the street. You know who stood up for the first time on uh, ATL Atlanta Fox 5? The black men of Atlanta denouncing the violence and the liberal wow. policies of Atlanta. We talk wow. about the old ones. Yes, it was when, when did this black happen? Men. This was this month, like, yeah, still May. So it's the last end of April. They wow. sat up there and they unified the. I haven't seen the the black men of Atlanta and the, and the Democratic Party who actually raised my type to get back on the forefront. But to see they're back out there, maybe they know that even the black community is God family country, like the Italian community, the Hispanic community, and the legal Americans. And finally. They standing back up, and I was shocked, I tell you. It's about time. I mean, when it hits home and it hits in your very backyard, that's when you realize, wait a minute, maybe it's gone too far. But they allowed it to come into their backyard, and now they're saying, well, if government's not going to take care of it, maybe we should. But isn't this what our founding fathers did, that very thing? You said, government's not going to take care of it. We're going to take care of it, and we're going to make sure everything goes the way we want it to. Now, I'm going to go mm-hmm. ahead and shock you a little bit more. If the Department of go Education ahead. was founded in 1972 or three, everybody been, ain't, mm-hmm. everybody started being dumb. 
I'm going to say that one more time. Because my grandfathers and grandmothers and mothers, y'all weren't dumb at all. Y'all had to go to school. Y'all, y'all walked those 10 miles. Y'all walked those five miles. When the Department of Education came along, you understand it is nothing but a offshoot of the pres- prison industrial complex and the way everything is set up. And now that the numbers are coming out, we'll just take um, Los Angeles out there in California. 20% of the students, black students, are proficient at their own reading. 11% is proficient in math. What do you expect when they don't know no better? What do you expect when you don't learn civics? What do you expect when there's no discipline, there's no honor, there's no loyalty, there's no structure anymore? We had to get racked on our knuckles, but now the teachers are getting racked across the head. Yes, and now they're, they're complaining. They're complaining, but wait a minute. You allowed that education to come into the system. Now, as a teacher, uh, shouldn't you be going and saying to your superior, to the principal, or to the school board, wait a minute, you know, there's something wrong with this curriculum. When you start teaching uh, preschoolers about gender identity, something's wrong here. When you as a teacher know that child cannot even comprehend the idea of gender identity, when you now have uh, common core math coming through the classroom and they can't even add two plus two. And, of course, I went before my school board and they were trying to say that they had like a tenth of a vote on one individual. And I had a sign saying this is not common core math. They didn't like me too well. But when you also have where the community is not involved in the education, it's not just the parents, it's the whole community. Because you're paying your taxes, and those taxes are paying for the school system and for the education. So how you choose your tax dollar to be spent and who you choose to spend it is going to determine how your community is going to grow or not grow. So if even if or you don't have kids, you, you get your from butt the to the school board. Reagan onyx of it all, and I'm not talking about no disparaging Ronald Reagan, because that top up mentality is what got us in this in this righteous indignation of wussification of a whole generation. When you have in, we have our school board superintendent. His name is Richard Wood. He was great, and then until he said we got to stop taking their money. Who money? We've got to stop taking the feds' money. The feds came in and did different curriculum starting all the way back to George W. Bush, Jr., when uh, race to the top and the rest of that. When they started implementing those type of policies and we at the local level and the state level relinquished our rights, what did people think was supposed to happen? I didn't start paying attention to 12 years ago, and this stuff been going on for decades. Where are my older folks at that should have been standing in the gap for my generation, Generation X, who they allowed to be slaughtered in, in the womb to begin with? And I was born in 74. So when you said, thank God my mama allowed me to live, she was black, she was poor, she was married. I shouldn't have been here. So I'm trying to figure out if I could talk about this stuff, and some of this stuff was enacted when I was crawling, how in the world all this compound interest, voila, this is what we end up with. Well, unfortunately, I was one of the ones that was a kid going through the school as it was changing. And when they brought in, uh, they called it health education. And the second they did that, and here I am, a young teenager going, wait a minute, that's the foot in the door. And you're right, they tied federal dollars. So they put their foot in the door with health education. 
And they said, well, we're just going to teach you about like pneumonia and tuberculosis and this and that. Well, then they got into reproductive and they then branched out from there. The second they went into reproductive, it's like, oh, no, these kids, are, you know, they're going through puberty and they, they need to understand what they're going through. It's for their mental health, too. Well, then they put in mental health. And this was before I even graduated high school. In the first two years, they brought it in. Mm. And then suddenly, suddenly there was never a, a moment of prayer anymore. It was a moment of silence. And then it wasn't no longer just a moment of silence. You don't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. You could elect to sit down. Oh, wait a minute. You don't even want to hear that. You can leave the room. And when they started to break that down, they began to break down our moral code. You break down the moral code. You take God out of your life. And then you put government in its place. And this is because what we have been doing. Because I'm Yes, your generation taught me to suck up everything y'all say, but I need to sit in the corner and listen. Let me tell you when it happened in the black community. C.S. backed me up because I'm going to sound like my daddy and them. It happened in LBJ. It happened during segregation. It happened when the black fathers and the father figures started leaving the homes in the black community. This is when it started happening, when you would get paid more money for sitting on your tail and actually birthing the babies and getting rid of the fathers. It started happening when Margaret Sanger and the Democratic Party jumped in bed with Stalin and also, uh, you know, Hitler and the rest of them. This stuff has been going on forever, but now that we are here, we got to continue to take your legacy, what your parents taught you, what C.S. and his parents and my grandparents taught us, and latch on to my grandchildren because, yes, they're in the school system, but they spend a lot of time with grandma also. So this is the time that we need to have that oral history. This is the time that we need to be the motivators, and this is the time that we need to be the straight-up parents and parental guidance and guardians that God has blessed us to make sure that we got these grandchildren in the right way and from this point it is up to us to reach out to our elected officials whether it's school board state or federal and say this must stop and i'm going to tell you tomorrow i'm heading up to columbia here in south carolina for the state gop convention and one of the resolutions we not have tomorrow. on there it's not tomorrow is it yeah it is tomorrow it is uh-uh. tomorrow. I've got my. Oh yes. Oh yes, it is tomorrow. The twenty. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got myself I'm a three-hour ride up there. <laughs> you got. I am. But we're gonna miss it then. I. Well, if you drive up to my house, well, I we can probably. I don't know if I can get you in as a guest, but. Uh, I'm carpooling. I'm leaving here 7 o'clock in the morning, and you're just a couple hours away from me. You can come over to my house with carpool. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is tomorrow. It is tomorrow. But one of the resolutions I'm saying is that they're going after uh, these social programs that they put in for social justice, governance, and all the other BS. Um I'm going to read that resolution, and there's a new one out that I found out just this past show. It is social educational learning. So if there's something preventing that child from learning that is a social issue, gee, what's a social issue? Uh, Race, gender, religion, 
uh, economic uh, situation. So any of these little tiny things that may cause you to be disabled from learning will put a branded number on you, which will follow you for the rest of your life. So then now they will determine whether or not you can get that job or that education or live in that neighborhood, and you become a ward of the state for the rest of your life. This is scary. And I'm going to see if they're aware um, of that and add it to the resolution. Is that that social-emotional scam? Yes, social-emotional learning. Yes, social-emotional. I said social-emotional learning. Isn't that scary, Lucretia? Very scary. It's very scary. So what do we do though? What as, as a collective whole, and we we have our platforms. What do we do? We, we press the our dollars. legislators to do something about it. We we take the dollars not from the federal government but from the local community. We allow the dollars to follow the child, not the child follow the dollar. Bring the control of the education back to the parent, and let the parent decide what that child will learn. And when we do that, we become we the people once more. Hey, man. There's so much going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've got the, uh, the, uh, the educational savings account here now in South Carolina. I know Florida has theirs. Ayers is, I believe, $8,500 that goes to the child. Oh, no. Uh, goes it's, to June the the it's June the 10th. It's June the 10th. On the tenth in uh, Columbus, South Carolina, uh, Georgia. Sorry, that in Georgia. Georgia. No, 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 no. Mine, mine here in South Carolina is tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Tell everybody I said hey. (laughs) (laughs) I was getting ready to start packing. (laughs) Because I'm a delegate for Georgia State. That is so. We take our civic duties and our responsibilities and our passion to do the right things. We take this so serious that uh, we are delegates to our state. We pay attention to our different states, national, locally, and internationally. And it's just amazing to me that us being regular people, me, you, CS, everyone's listening, that we can see how it kind of started, where we are right now, and we're trying to figure out what we need to do as being the grown folks in the room to try to save our nation. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, there's a lot of work, but it starts, and you and I have been saying this from the very beginning, from the grassroots, and that grassroots is you. It's me. It's the listeners out there. It's your neighbor across the street. It's your kids, your family, your friends. They're the grassroots, and unless we stand up and speak no one's going to listen, and we're going to see what's happening with the FBI whistleblowers, and we don't need that anymore. We've got to take our country back at the ballot box by being active, and I'm going to Columbia to be my delegate tomorrow. You're going on June 10th in Atlanta, so we'll be talking, thank Lucretia. You, thank you. We'll be talking. I'll, you got me wanting God to bless. go, USA, USA, <laughs> USA. <laughs> And people can find you up on uh, Facebook. You'll be up there tonight with your real news, and people can join the chat and become part of the program. Absolutely. And if they have articles, bring the receipts now because we just don't do – I love conspiracies because they always turn out right, but you better bring the receipts and bring the pain if you bring in the rain. 
absolutely. And you got my home number, so give me a call. And you know, don't be a stranger to me. Absolutely. Thank y'all so much. Thank you, CS. And y'all text me, call me anytime. All right, Lucretia. God bless. You take care now. God bless you, Lucretia. You too. Ooh, a great friend, a great friend of mine, a great friend of the show, and you get to know her, and she'll be a great friend of you too. But I do believe, and yes, we do. We have our guest in on the line. He was kind enough to call, and meanwhile, my co-host is trying to call him. I want to welcome him back to the show, Robert Bork Jr. Good afternoon, Robert. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me back. Oh man, you can tell my friend Lucretia Hughes. She's down in uh, Georgia. And she's active politically down there, as you can tell. I'm active up here. You get that girl fired, and oh my goodness, this is what America is supposed to be about. You got to get fired up about the issues. You got to get active in it, and you got to get yourself out there so the word gets spread and things get done. I'm fired up. I'm fired up for my convention tomorrow. I'm telling you right now. Did I lose you, Robert? No, I'm right here. I did. I I didn't oh, know okay. I was. Uh, Commenting on your convention, I don't even know what your convention is about. So, there you go. Oh no, we have our we have our South Carolina GOP convention, uh, and Ah, no state by state they're starting to go through it. Hers is next month, mine is tomorrow. And I have to say, I think this is about maybe the sixth time, fifth or sixth time I've been a delegate in a row. So, uh, to me, it's old hat. But there's issues out there that are important, like the whistleblowers that we're seeing with the FBI, the things that you talk about in, on, in where you're working with the antitrust issues. Uh, there is so much that we can influence by becoming simply involved in local politics because it's there that change starts. It's absolutely true. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, at, at different times in your life you say, I, I can't, I can't. I can't take it anymore. I can't do this. It's too exhausting. It's too, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. It's not, I can't make a difference, but that of course is uh, not true. You can make a difference. Uh, it, it may be exhausting, but you can make a difference. Yeah. And sometimes you feel like you're just being beaten down too much. Well, I always say, take a step back, take a good look at the problem and see if there's another way to tackle it. And somebody, sometimes just changing shift, Taking a few minutes, maybe a day or a week, just take a little step back, rethink it, and rethink on how you would address the issue. It makes all the difference in the world sometimes, something as simple as that. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons why I'm talking to you and, and why I've been doing this uh, work in the uh, antitrust area to try to keep the left from uh, fossilizing uh, capitalism and destroying our, uh, you know, our economy. Uh, I may not be going to conventions, uh, but I am uh, active uh, speaking out, which I guess is one thing I can do. Well, now you're the president of the Antitrust Education Project, and what you have done is you have re-released your father's book, The Antitrust Paradox: A Policy at War with Itself. And um, people don't understand what this antitrust paradox is that you and he are speaking of uh, because they see things like, uh, what was it, Netflix with that singer, all of a sudden, all the, that wasn't Netflix, whatever it was, one of those ticket, ticket master, whatever it was, this one singer no, right. and all of a sudden can't get her tickets. It's like, wait a minute, wait, yeah. wait a minute, big box stores, 
gobbling up little guys. Wait a minute. Well, you can't do that. Well, uh, it, it's okay to, you know, be big, uh, and it's okay to merge and acquire things. In fact, for a lot of startups, that's part of their strategy is to be, to come up with a good idea and build a company and, you know, get, you're still small compared to lots of others, but then you want to attract the attention of the, of the venture capitalists. And, and these days, many of the venture capitalists are big companies like Google and Amazon and, uh, and, and others and Walmart. And, you know, so they, part of their, the strategy of the smaller ones is to, is to, is to, take that money that they make from selling their companies and going out and doing something else. I mean, Elon Musk is a perfect example of that. Uh, whether you like him or not, the fact is he took, I, I believe it was uh, PayPal that he was originally involved with, uh, one of yeah. those kind of companies. Yeah. And, uh, and he, t- you know, when he got bought out, he took that money, which was quite substantial and invested it in making electric cars and uh, rockets and uh, putting satellites up into space that can uh, bring the Internet to, you know, areas of the world that don't have that kind of infrastructure. Uh, so he's done amazing things, and whether you like him or not, of course, and buying Twitter and, 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 and freeing it from the uh, crazy left that was running it. Uh, so he's done a lot of good things. He's done other things, you know, I might disagree with, but, uh, but he started out, you know, being small and getting bigger and making money. And there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with being big uh, as long as you don't abuse your power and your market, your market uh, uh, strength. All right. Now, our foundation of our nation was based upon the free market economy. You know, you go mm-hmm. out there, you have an idea, you have a product, you have a service, you have something that you feel you can offer to other individuals out there, and whether it's in exchange for other goods or a monetary exchange or other services, you, you, you had something you could build a foundation upon. And a lot of businesses, uh, large corporations, started just on that small little tiny premise. Uh, but as things happen and as capitalism does, there are going to be unscrupulous people here and there. So now government steps in, but now government has now overstepped. Now we have overregulation. So when you do have a small startup, it's very hard to start up. It's easy to let a big box store or a big corporation move in because, hey, listen, you've got all these revenues coming into your community. A small little mom and pop soda counter is not going to mean a heck of a lot where you've got a Walmart. That's big revenue. So has government just taken this to the extreme or is actually destroying now a free market economy? That's a, that's a lot of stuff in that question. Let me, <laughs> let me, uh, we got half let, an hour. Let me just, okay, well, good. I'll, I'll uh, try to, I'll try to get to all of it. The, um, uh, you know, my grandmother, my father's mother used to complain about the corner grocery store, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, didn't have everything she wanted, but she liked going there. And then, then, then a, a big supermarket opened up, uh, you know, in New Haven, Connecticut near where she lived and, uh, she shopped there, but then she said, Oh, the, the corner grocery store is going out of business. Well, of course it's going out of business because she and others were going to the big store 
because they had more choices and better prices. Uh, and, you know, the big store uh, that can do that for the consumer, for the consumer's welfare, is going to be the winner. Now, of course, then you have stores like Bed Bath & Beyond, who never figured out the next move when the uh, Internet economy began. They, you know, they didn't figure out how to sell on the Internet. And they're and they're and the one in I live in near Charlottesville now, Charlottesville, Virginia, and the one here and I guess everywhere they're all closing now because, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a dynamic economy and there are going to be winners and losers, but we the consumer win because of that dynamism, uh, and and so uh, you know I I sorry to see Bed Bath and Beyond go because I kind of liked it and I'm sorry I was sorry when the A and P store in New Haven closed. Uh, but I'm sorry to see some of these little stores and, and coffee shops and other places closed because Starbucks comes in. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's just the way of the world uh, that uh, there's going to be innovation and dynamism and new things, and people are going to vote with their feet and with their dollars, uh, and, and, and that's, what, that's what happens. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and that, you know, it's the people voting with their feet that caused the little corner store to close, not Walmart or you know, uh, the supermarket didn't make it close. It just, it just beat them in comp and, and straight up competition for the most part. That's well, what here, happens. well, here now I had mentioned regulation and I, I live in a fairly small yes. town. It's, I actually, it's not that small. Um, but one of the big things that we have been trying to do is get our local government to step back on all these regulations and I sat in at one meeting of the uh, review board, and they were trying to determine whether or not to accept the design of a business that wanted to come in. And it was an office visit. You didn't have a lot of you know people coming in, sort of big footpath or anything. And, of course, they went with all the normal regulations of having enough spaces for handicap, enough spaces for parking, blah, blah, blah. But it got down to the point where they were debating the color yellow, that they were going to paint the building with, the color green they were going to paint the planter boxes under the windows, and exactly what sort of plantings to allow in those boxes and under the windows. And when they got down to the minutia of that, I said, wait a minute. Um, This is a little bit too far. Am I looking at this the wrong way or the right way? Are they over-regulating? Or are they just trying to protect the neighborhood? Well, again, that's a complicated question. You know, I assume that uh, the community uh, where you live uh, uh, has may have standards about what they want their businesses to look like. You could you could be Houston, Texas, which has no zoning at all. You know. And, and 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 so that you could be in your house living next to a business living there's another house next door to that uh in, and there no, the signs can be however big and however colorful they want them to be on the main you know on the, on the where the businesses are located on the main drag um and uh, they can be anywhere now people in Houston seem to be okay with that and and if they weren't they would vote people that people would run for office uh to who would offer to change that but they don't and of course you can be down i've visited hilton head south carolina if you uh, play golf and vacation and everything down there looks exactly the same they have some they set up some sort of standard 
that your you know your buildings all have to be the same sort of beige color and you know and the signs can't be yes. you can't have a big red and yellow McDonald's sign it just says McDonald's in straight letters uh, and some people like that and I guess they like it down there because they don't want it to look like uh, you know a crazy jumble. Well, that's why I live uh, on the other side of the river, not down on that side. I don't live in the Hilton Head side of the river. I live on the other side. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. In Bluffton or like that you're talking about. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Bluffton's still that side. There's the Broad River oh. crosses over. So Bluffton and all that, the Hilton Head, that's south of the Broad. I'm north. <laughs> I see. So yeah. Well, anyway, but you get the idea. So, you know, I, I they have the, where I live in, a, I live in a gated community and, and, you know, your mailbox, all the mailboxes look exactly the same. All the stands that they sit on look exactly the same. And they even have the standard for what color black you have to paint the mailbox. So, uh, and you know, I get it. If, if we all agree to that, that's fine. Um, but, um, but those are, that's one example. But, you know, our government, particularly our federal government right now is, is entirely overbearing and over-regulating and there's a pushback going on. You know, the, what they call the administrative state is under attack now. Uh, and the Supreme Court has already ruled in a couple of cases that, you know, sort of trimming the powers of, of all the alphabet soup of agencies. And there's a, a big case before the Supreme Court now that would uh, overrule uh, what is known as the Chevron Doctrine. Uh, and ultimately that would mean that Congress, the people you elect to actually make these decisions, would have to start making them again, start making more of them. They'd have to legislate and tell the agencies what they can and cannot do uh, instead of just sort of when they have an idea, they pass a law and they say, oh, Federal Trade Commission, that's, that falls into your bailiwick. So you decide how you're going to enforce that and what rules you're going to make. And we're not even, you know, we're out of it now. We're the Congress. We're, 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 off, we're going to go off and raise funds for running for reelection. You guys fix that and, and, and go as far as you want. But that's beginning to get rolled back now by the Supreme Court. And, uh, and that's a good thing because I think there is too much government in Washington. The bureaucracy is too big. You know, we, some people refer to it as, uh, as the deep state. Uh, but, you know, it, it, the administrative state uh, is, is just huge. And it's one of the reasons why we run these gigantic deficits, because uh, we, we have these uh, alphabet soup of agencies and departments that just have just spend a lot of money and don't accomplish a whole lot. Uh, and they keep coming up with new things that they think uh, need to be uh, sort of the equivalent uh, of our local communities where they're telling you what color you have to paint your mailboxes in Washington, D.C. They have, you know, policies that tell us exactly how we can live and what side of the street we have to walk on and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I, and that's one of the things I'm fighting against with this and my work in antitrust. Uh, but it gets the Supreme Court, you know, in trouble. And, and, you know, it's one of the reasons I think that, uh, you know, Clarence Thomas and other conservative members of the Supreme Court are under attack now for alleged ethical violations mm-hmm. is because the left is saying, wait, we, we lost control of that, of that branch of government. And so we have to do something, anything to stop those people. And so they're trying to, you know, FDR tried to pack the court. Uh, you know, Obama tried to pack the court. Biden has talked about packing the court. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's trying, you know, and he's, uh, and so the left figures, well, 
anything goes. Now it's free game. You have, of course, Chuck Schumer, and you know, after the ruling uh, or before the ruling in Dobbs, threatening the justices, saying, you know, you've unleashed, uh, you've unleashed everything, and now we're coming for you. And then people come and try to, you know, assassinate uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, so I'm sorry, I'm just sort of wandering around here, but but that is it's of the same theme that you're talking about, which is uh, overreaching government, and then not and then the left being upset that the government isn't doing what it wants it to do, which is to tell well, us how know, to live. I think it was Tim Wu that said it's the policeman at your elbow, the regulations that the federal government put out there, but that policeman, and I don't mean to put down my brethren in blue is drunk, the drunk with power. And you've got a bureaucrat sitting in this little tiny cubbyhole uh, laughing their butt off, like what is the craziest thing we can probably pull on the people and take control and and feel powerful? You know, you have them telling you uh, how much water you can pump through your toilet, what type of light bulb you can put in your house. What kind of stovetop you can have. Yeah. Right, you know, uh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's wait, the latest one. You can have actually gas. Holy right. mother. No. How dare you? And now there's this brilliant idea that all these new electrical cars must have an AM radio in it. Well, I'm sorry. Did anyone just, when was the last time they bought a car? Anyone buy, sitting in Congress? Uh, I don't think you can buy a car without an AM FM radio in it. Uh, maybe wait, if you wait, buy wait. something I, I, what, in 1950 or before. I, the, yeah. well, I thought, I thought they were telling the, I, I thought they were telling you not to have an AM radio. I thought I thought they were, I thought the latest thing was uh, that they were going to tell you that you could not have an AM radio. Is that right? Uh, I, maybe I got it wrong. No, I, I I saw that it must include an AM radio. Now oh, well, I that's, no, that's okay it's, it's, the, the car companies were considering removing AM. Yeah, and, and that's that, why that was Sean Hannity's all upset. That's why Sean Hannity's yeah. all upset because you know a lot of his show, a lot of his uh, stations that carry him and carry conservative talk radio are on AM. And, yep, and they're so targeting this looks, this us looks, again. Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly what's happening. So uh, yeah, so they, they, you know they, they they can't seem to find anything that they uh, you know what, what was it Ronald Reagan said? If it uh, moves, tax it. If it keeps moving, regulate it. If it stops, <laughs> yeah. socialize it. Um, yeah. But uh, so they're gonna they're gonna they're trying to they're trying to regulate it now because it's moving and they don't like it. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, they love that. They would love to bring back the fairness doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't have that. Uh, so I I, I kind of wandered I kind of wandered off into the weeds there. I forget where we were going. But yeah, so the the government is uh, is uh, quite overbearing and uh, not that we don't need government. We just need a government that believes in individual liberty, that it can function smaller. Otherwise, frankly, we're, we're just going down the drain because, the, you know, with $31 trillion in, in uh, you know, in national debt, that's nothing, actually, compared to the unfunded liabilities this country has, uh, which is in the hundreds of trillions of dollars. Uh, I don't know. At some point, some, we're going to wake up, and the laws of physics are going to apply, and, and, and gravity is going to pull this country down entirely. Uh, and now, just the weight of all that money that we owe. Exactly, exactly. And there were several t- attempts uh, when uh, Trump was president 
to pass legislation, I, I think Ted Cruz was one of them that backed it, and I forget who else, two, two of them, that before any legislation gets passed by the House, they must uh, explain how it's constitutional, how it falls underneath the 13 enumerated powers of Congress. If it doesn't, then it doesn't hit the floor. And we have not done that. We have not enforced the 13 enumerated powers that the Constitution gives to Congress. Instead, we have allowed them to do everything else. So therefore, Congress says, now we can do all these other things, but we're too busy. So we're now going to turn around and let the other agencies regulate it. Nay, agencies regulate it. Now they have the power of a regulation has the enforcement of an actual law which could cause imprisonment or fines that has the, the penalties of a law, but it's a regulation. They, we have allowed our government to become so bloated, it, it, I don't know if we could ever reclaim it, can we? <laughs> if I answer that Again, question, I no, we might as well, we might as well just hang up and you know, go home. Uh, um, I don't... <laughs> Um, I I mean, I guess it's time to start digging a moat around your house and filling sandbags. But uh, but I I have to believe that we can. It's going to be slow. It's going to be painful. Um, And, you know, some of the things we're going to have to do as citizens, we don't want to do. And I don't want to be the one who calls for, uh, you know, restricting entitlements, um, you know, because I'm 60, almost 68 years old. And uh, some of those, uh, some of those things mean something to me now. They didn't before. Um, But uh, frankly, we have to all be willing, uh, you know, good conservatives are willing to make sacrifices if they know that what we're doing is going to have, make a difference. And, uh, you know, the left, my God, we, one of the reasons that Joe Biden and, 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 and uh, Kevin McCarthy can't seem to come to a deal on the, on the debt ceiling is because the, the left is pushing very hard that we can't cut a single dollar out of the budget, out of anything. Because, oh, my gosh, you know, the, the Republicans are trying to push you know, old people in wheelchairs off cliffs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it, but we're going to have to, I think, figure out a way to begin to pare back this enormous empire that we've created that is very wasteful. Uh, and what I, again, I am not uh, an expert in all of this, but I, every time one of these things comes up, I sit here and I tell my wife, why, why can't we just agree that we won't cut the thing that you want to keep and you won't cut the thing I want to keep. We'll just cut everything. Why can't we just sort of say, this year, this year's budget, we're going to cut uh, 1% or half of 1% across the board. And, exactly. and, and there, will be no, there will be no sacred cows. Everybody takes a haircut. Uh, and let's see if we can do that. And I bet the stock market would go through the roof if we did that. Uh, and, and people's personal wealth would, would go up. Um, I'm sorry, my phone is telling me it's a low battery. Oh, well. Um, Uh, uh, you know i don't know why we can't just try something as simple as that take take all of the confrontation out of it take all Mm -hmm. the wheeling and dealing about what we're going to keep and what we're going to get rid of out of it 
and, uh, and just say everything goes. Everything takes a haircut this year, a small one, just a small one. Can we do a small one? And, um, and I'll even give you your, your debt ceiling increase if you let me take half of 1% this year. And then next year's budget will take 0.75 of 1%. You know, and just and if we can get a, if we can get the ball rolling on this, maybe it'll make a difference. I have no idea whether what I'm talking about would actually work or what the problems are with it, but it seems it would take the take the argument out of the out of the situation. Yeah, you make it fair completely across the board, so it's not one side or the other side. It's everyone will feel it. And the one thing we have to also differentiate is between uh, entitlements and then programs that we earned. Uh, for me, I paid into Social Security. So that money coming back to me is my money. I gave it to the government to hold with understanding that when I turn a certain age, I'm getting that back. Medicare is an insurance I pay for. I've spent my money putting into it until I came to retirement, and I'm still paying into it, and that is my insurance program. If you want to change the premium, then that's something that we're going to have to talk about. And let me allow to shop around and find the best for me. But with Medicare right now, you, you've fallen into it. You automatically go into the big program, but now they're allowing us to shop. There's things that we can do. Uh, Medicaid is an entitlement program. And there's other programs under Social Security, other than what I or you would collect, that are entitlement programs. Let's look at those. Maybe people are getting into the Social Security program that don't deserve to be in it. Maybe there'd be something else, like work. Uh, you work to uh, back to work type of thing. You know, if you're able body, you get a little bit until you're back to work, then you're on your own type of thing. But no, we don't do that. Oh, we're being punitive to the that poor person. We have to look at these programs and strike one after another after another. Stays, goes, stays, goes. But we start by cutting them all across the board and then look where the chips fall. And that's my well, way of looking at it. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Uh, although, uh, again, trying to pick off an individual program, the, you know, the closest thing to immortality in this life is a government program. So <laughs> yes. we can't, we can't, uh, we, I don't think we can do that. But, you know, again, I, I, I think, uh, well, you may actually, let me just go back to something else you said, uh, about Social Security and Medicare. That money's already gone. You know, you know it's already gone. Mm-hmm. They've already borrowed against the Social Security Trust Fund. Uh, to the point where it doesn't exist. It's all it's it's filled with IOUs now from the government yeah. because they needed the money. So it, uh, this whole thing is a house of cards. And it, at some point, somebody and I don't know who that would, would be. I don't. I, frankly, I don't think it's Donald Trump. I don't think he he would do it. Um, I, I think somebody at some point is going to have to run uh, who has perhaps no political baggage, doesn't represent any particular uh, ideology, but just you know, it's like let's go hire let's have, go hire ourselves a, an accountant or something, and to run for president. And just gonna say, look, I I, I don't you guys can believe all anything you want to believe about uh, your you know, social programs and stuff, but I'm just telling you, there's no money, so we have to just start beginning to pair back a little at a time, and and by doing that, we will save everything. Uh, and I'd love to see somebody do that, but nobody ever will. So. Uh, now I'm being depressed. And <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe somebody and will. Maybe I have to be positive. Let's be positive. Somebody will. Well, 
someone was asking in the chat room about the two hundred billion to Ukraine, and we would have had the uh, ambassador, the consul general uh, from Poland. Uh, he was going to speak on that subject, and he should be with us next week. So hold on to that question for next week uh, because he should be with us. And it'd be an interesting question where we can also pare back the federal aid that we send overseas. That's a good area yes. to start. <laughs> well, Robert, Across you know it's always a pleasure having you. <laughs> and you know, I'm always going to throw those curveballs at you, and you're going to go, "Wait a minute, this girl's got my head spinning." <laughs> oh, I I can handle it. Anytime you want to talk. <laughs> All right, and people can find you where? Where can they find you? Well, you know, most of what I'm doing these days is in this antitrust area, and so the antitrusteducationproject.org. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at antitrust. Uh, edu and i also have a personal account uh, robert bork jr um so uh that's where i am and uh, and on the radio talking to uh, wonderful hosts like yourself hi you're such an angel (laughs) you have a great great weekend and god bless you for the hard work you do robert thank you so much all right enjoy your weekend all right robert bork check him out the antitrust education project. Check him out over there as well as the Bohr Group. We got our next victim up in our studio here. I want to welcome onto the, jo- the, onto the show uh, Jason Shepard. Good afternoon, Jason. How are you today? Good afternoon, Anne. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. Gotta say, um, I did go onto your uh, website. Uh, okay. It's called. Uh, wait a minute. I got the wrong stuff in front of me. What did I just do with it? Now, this is Robert Bork's stuff. Where's yours? What did I do with your paperwork? Oh, come on. <laughs> I had you here a second ago. Anyway, you've got a new app out there. Uh, tell us about that. Well, um, our newest app is Realster. It's R-E-E-L-S-T-E-R, and it's a TikTok alternative that's American, uh, 100% data private, and it also has parental controls so kids don't see filth. But um, our original app actually... Um, which is like a Facebook, it's a free speech version of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok combined. Uh, that is called Wimkin. It stands for World Must Know Now um, in honor of free speech, and it's W-I-M as in Mary, K-I-N as in Nancy. All right, now, I did go onto it this morning uh, okay. to take a look at it, and I did sign up, and I keep on waiting for you guys to approve me. Let me see if you approved me yet. Uh, let's see, I'm trying, right now I'm trying to sign in. And it's really pretty easy, um, and it's a very very simple sign in. Um, Thank you. If I hit the right keys, and I was wanting to get myself on there to uh, to see if I could broadcast the show to let people know that you're here. And, oh. Uh, yeah, so I figured. Let me do you it know what? there. I see, you, I see you there. I see you there in pending approval. So I'm going to approve you right now. Um, we, I apologize about that. That's actually a great thing to, to tell everyone is we, have, we manually approve every single account so there's no um, bots and scammers and things of that nature. So, But you are approved there now. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I'm somebody. I'm somebody. <laughs> oh, you're well, definitely – Southern I'll, Sense is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Now you're you welcome. Put your little personal recognize. I get that little check mark or star next to my name. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> yep, I certainly will get you a check mark. We'll get you the the gold diamond, and you'll be verified. <laughs> uh, well, since um, YouTube keeps on taking me down, and mm. Facebook is taking down two out of my 
two out of the three Southern cents I put up, I've got one still up there. <laughs> I keep My trying. Goodness. I keep coming back for the fight. <laughs> but, well, I think know, we all um, do. I mean, yeah. it's it's the nature. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, uh, but uh, they have been going after the social networks because that is the only place that we really do get to communicate with fellow like-minded conservatives or independents mm-hmm. or libertarians. Uh, and we have seen what has happened on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and everything else with the censorship, with these bots that go through and look for just little keywords, or if your name gets a little check mark against it somewhere in someone's office on their little blackboard, uh, suddenly you're, you're thinking you're putting it out to, say, four or 5,000 people, but maybe only two or three see it. So how do we stop yes. it? How do we counter it besides places like yours? To be honest with you, I really don't know. I mean, um, it, it's, it's hilarious to me that, you know, we've, our Facebook page was shut down twice for no reason whatsoever with no warning. And um, we have about 70, I think like 77,000 people on it. And, you know, sometimes we'll make a post that reaches, you know, it'll get three or 4,000 reactions and then, other times we'll make a post and it gets three reactions. So um, it's just there's no rhyme or reason to it, and uh, it's just their algorithm. And that's one thing about Wimkin. We don't have any type of algorithm whatsoever. So just basically you look at the post and say, all right, fine. Um, okay, let it go through, or otherwise it's not going to follow our community standards. So you basically have someone looking and approving each post? No, we don't have anybody approving posts. No, what's the, we have a, if anybody reports something, I mean, the only thing on Wimkin that we actually censor is any type of pornography, um, any type of graphic nudity, or any type of criminal element, such as, you know, um, threatening to harm somebody, uh, people trying to sell drugs and things of that nature. Those things are the only things that we, we censor. Oh, nice, nice. So it truly is a free speech platform. Uh, because I know Indeed. Parler started <laughs> off that way. And now Parler has been taken over by something else, and you can't even get into whatever that something else is because it's like I keyed in Parler to see if there was like a link to send it to the new location, and it doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So even those that started off with great ideas have also been shut down in one form or another. Well, I'll be honest with you, Ann. Parler was never at all a good platform. Um, if you just, in, in your listeners, if they just simply do an Internet search with the term, the number 80, just 80, TB for terabyte and just type in parlor after that, you'll see that they're responsible for probably over 300 of the J6 arrests because they didn't uh, scrub metadata from GPS um, locations at the, at the Capitol. And um, they had no security whatsoever. There's no features um, or anything of that nature on parlor. So I don't like to dog those platforms, but I did warn people about that. And, um, you know, just to send a message on their platform, you had to send in your ID. Um, which is very – privacy is paramount to us. Um, we would never ask for an ID mm-hmm. just, just to have somebody send a message. So, And then you think about um, John Matz's ties to AWS when he was an employee there, actually an executive there. I'd like to know where all those IDs went, to be quite honest with you. So um, Parler is, is – it was a great idea in theory, but it seems like it was a honeypot to me. Yeah. Well, right now uh, the senators have attempted to uh, – put in legislation to rein in uh, government collusion with big tech. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the J6 was a big heads up on that one. And I don't think anyone understood how deeply involved 
big tech was in colluding with government. And government would say, take the big stick and say, hey, listen, um, we want to know uh, if you can tell us who was in the D.C. area, uh, who rented a car, who rented a room, which is what was actually happening uh, to go oh, yeah. after these people that went down for the Trump rally and just got caught up in the J6 debacle. Well, and, um, and I'll actually send you these documents after the show, but um, we had two demands from Benny Thompson himself with the select committee, and uh, they didn't just stop there. They wanted information on every single person on our platform. Um, there was no specific users. They wanted credit card numbers, which we didn't accept. They wanted phone numbers, which we don't have people sign up with, email addresses, which we don't even verify, and they wanted any type of, you know, um, messages that were sent in between people on the platform. And they again, they didn't send us any specific users they were investigating. They said, we want it for every individual on your platform. And we told them, in a very nice way, go kick rocks, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I was going to say pound sand. <laughs> yes, one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good because I, I, the Wimkin, all it does is ask, you know, give me your email address, put it in a password. And mm-hmm. I kept on looking to see for a verification. It's a good thing to know that you don't go and send an air, a verification where someone has to click. You look at it and say, all right, fine, this looks cool. I'm going to approve it until you do something like put, post a new picture or something like that, something stupid. And you have a free platform. That is wonderful. And what's the other one you were you mentioning? So I did not get information on that one because uh, you've got to tell your guy, hey, give her all the information so she knows what she's doing here. Um, the other one is Realster. We just launched it. It's a it's a TikTok alternative. Um, as you just know, Montana just uh, banned uh, TikTok two days ago, and other states are going to follow suit on that. There's no doubt about it because of the national security risks. And so again, we're just giving individuals, um, you know, first and foremost, an American platform. Uh, it's just like TikTok. It has more features than TikTok. Um, it's 100% data private, just like Wimkin is. We won't share, sell. We don't even verify your email address, to be honest with you. On Realster, we do because it's there's some children there, so we kind of have to. But um, we don't share that information. And then there's also um, parental controls because TikTok is just a terrible, filthy platform. And, you know, um, kids should not be seeing what's on there, to be quite honest with you. And that's where all these these crazy trends where kids are getting hurt and they're, you know, hurting each other and, you know, just a lot of bad things are happening. So um, we also have parental controls where parents can control what their children see. You know, what's interesting, uh, you're talking about that uh, a lot of those that are being posted up there on TikTok and these other platforms are there to entice the child in, and it becomes a trap. And here in South Carolina, um, there's legislation going up that should be passed. I have to double-check it may have already passed and gone to uh, Governor McMaster's desk that one of our state legislators, his son, just graduated high school. He fell into one of those traps, and he posted some things he should not have done. And then they tried to sexploit him. They were trying to do an extortion on him, and the kid committed suicide because he was so embarrassed, so ashamed. Mm. 18 years old, getting ready to go to college to become a teacher to teach art. And people don't realize how dangerous these things are. We may talk about, oh, it's horrible, you're you're posting pornography. But why are they doing that, and who are they trapping in? And consequently, the state legislator, God bless him, he made it a point to not let his son die in vain, has placed before us here in South Carolina 
legislation, anyone caught doing this exploitation or the extortion and convicted will face up to 20 years in jail. It's Very good. no laughing matter anymore. No. If it can save no, that's, uh, one child's life. And that's why I'm glad you guys will monitor for that. But what goes on in TikTok, oh, see how many drugs you can take one the night you pass out. Uh, go running across right. the middle of an intersection while the light is, is green. Uh, all these yep. crazy things, TikTok is out there. But it's the Chinese government testing us to see how stupid we are to actually fall Absolutely. For while taking all of our data at the same time. I mean, it's they, – they are – I can't say they're smart, but obviously at some point in, in our nature, we've gotten very laxed in, you know, looking at security here. And, and I hate to say it, but anybody doing those things is – very stupid, and I'd, I'd really want to ask what their parents are all about because, you know, anybody who would run in the street like that, I mean, they're, they're called TikTok challenges, and, uh, you know, you hit it on the head. The, the, the Chinese does not allow this app in their country. It's only for education purposes. So, you know, we're getting a hardcore education in the wrong direction, I believe. Exactly. And uh, you used to work in the medical industry, and if they couldn't kill us with the COVID virus, well, why don't we just get our kids to kill themselves doing these TikTok challenges? If they're not going to kill themselves, they'll be end up brain dead or lame and can't be worth anything in society anyway. So this is the best way to conquer America. And no, what do you think, I, I totally do you think they're not thinking this? Oh, they definitely think of this. I mean, I mean they, all, they also can, I mean, they, they, they exploit our weaknesses and they've already groomed. You know, I, I'd say most kids from 14 to, I, I can't say 21, but the, the younger generation right now is completely poisoned by TikTok. I mean, it, it truly is. You know, they also lure them in with the ability for them to earn all these money, all this money. Because mm-hmm. now you've got this million followers and you get so much for every time you get more followers. So you get yourself a nice income until TikTok pulls the plug on you. Yep, no, you're 100% Wait for that to start and, to happen. Oh, well, that's, that's why we put real estate there, so people can come over, but they're not going to be able to do their same stupidity there. Um, but we have the same issue. Um, we have the same type of, uh, like, gifting system and everything where people can, uh, you know, gift to others. They can pay for video ads and things of that nature, and we can compensate influencers as well through, through advertising. So, um, it, you know, but, again, we want ours to be clean, and we'll, we will never sell out to money, I'll tell you that much. Um, we, we could have at Wimkin a long time ago, and we won't do that. We want to continue to better the world through our, our platforms. Well, I'm going to have to check out Real Estate. That's R-E-A-L-S-T-E-R? Uh, it's actually R-E-E uh, because, like, real, like a real, like a film. Um, so R-E-E-L-S-T-E-R. Mm-hmm. And that's dot .com. Uh, it's .io, and, uh, but the, the, there's apps in the ah. Apple App Store and, and um, Google Play. All right. So I'm, making, I'm making a notation on that because I use computers as well as my smart devices. <laughs> I'm multi-talented. Yes. No, um, a lot of people love using the Wimkin, uh, the Wimkin um, PC or, or laptop or even just a tablet um, because it, it sets up really nice. And, you know, on Wimkin, too, you can live stream your entire show. Uh, you can upload your entire podcast. We allow 50-gigabyte video uploads. So, you know, we're really the only free speech social platform where you can actually do things on. I mean, you know, I love True Social. Um, obviously, I'm a, I'm a staunch conservative getter, everything like that. Um, you know, but you just can't do what you can on those platforms that you can on Wimkin. I mean, um, we're, 
we have almost every single feature that Facebook has, and we offer free speech. Wow. So, um, and wow. I think that's why the government came in so hardcore on us because um, they saw we had way more avenues to get information out there and get more people over. And that's why um, we were banned from the app stores three days after Parler was. But we fought for eight months and mm. actually turn, overturned those bans. <clears throat> Yeah, well, I, I went to sign in, and I signed in to Facebook using the old uh, email and said, oh, you were banned back on January 23rd uh, of this year. You got 30 days to – I said, well, heck, it's more than 30 days. You think I didn't now complain anymore? <laughs> but yeah. I'm just waiting to see now because I mentioned China. I mentioned COVID. I mentioned J6. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. see how quick YouTube and Facebook take me down today. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's so I do work with Wendy Bell, um, and she would get banned for pretty much any, literally any type of tag word they call it, and or buzzword, whatever you want to say. And um, yeah, I would say you put yourself at risk there. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, and I apologize <laughs> that I'm your guest, but this is happening. <laughs> Oh, no, don't, don't apologize. Don't apologize because I'm going to have my next guest coming in from the Heritage Foundation. We're going to be talking about the illegal immigration. I don't really go, boom. Oh, boy, you're going for the trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, you know, uh, how how many people have you been able to get over to the platform? What was like, I don't know, what was the, the goal you're looking at? I mean, our goal, we would have been probably, to be honest with you, at 50 million people right now. We were the number one app store in both app stores when we were banned by both. Um, but we have, right now, we just did it, yesterday we did a, um, a bot scrub. So we're around 8.6 million actual users. Um, there's, we, all the bots have been removed from the platform again. And um, I'd say there's about 650,000 daily active people. That means, um, you know, that are coming to visit, they're, they're actually having active logins. Um, and it's kind of, kind of hard to tell, though, because... Your app's connection stays open at all times. So, um, you know, mm. if you're not active on the platform, we don't contact that. Or, sorry, we don't count that as an actual um, active user. So, mm. no, it's interesting because I really don't look at numbers. Uh, I have not mm-hmm. figured out how to do the numbers on my show because I'm on so many different platforms. Uh, I mean, I yeah. just shoot them out all over, and I, I don't keep track. Honestly, I don't even know how to do that. But on my home page. Um, I did keep track, and I opened the homepage, oh, maybe three, four years ago, and it was really slow on getting hits to it. But lately, the last two years, the numbers have just jumped, and I was actually surprised. As of this morning, before coming on air, I was just about 16, a little over 16,000 shy of hitting 3 million hits on my homepage. And I'm going, Oh, that is so wow. great for you. Well, you have I great mean, content. Last time I mean, I, I, I'm Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say I was I was surprised when I hit a hundred thousand, but now when I'm I'm just mm-hmm. creeping up. So, guys, if you're listening out there, go to Southern Sense, put a dash in the middle, <laughs> and be another click on my page. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have great content. Your subjects are great, and let's be honest, people are actually starting to really wake up. And I don't mean get woke. Well, they're doing that too, but um, people are starting to understand. I mean, even on Wimkin, we have. A bunch of, you know, let's say at least left-leaning people coming over and starting to learn and they're, you know, converting uh, at least over to common sense. I won't say they're converting their party, but, um, you know, that's that's why you're getting, you're doing so well is because your your content is fantastic and um, 
you know, people are actually starting to wake up and they are starting to use their own eyes to actually see what's going on in the world. Well, it's funny because at the start of the show, we had a musician on, Veja, and she's got this great song out called People Are People. And this is what we forget. Um, as conservatives, we don't honestly forget that. But sometimes we find our back up against the wall, and rather than thinking it through and seeing is there a way to talk to this individual or are you just going to lash out? The left is great at lashing out. And the idea, oh, yes. the, I mean, the, the thing is, is that if they're going to lash out at you in anger, walk away and then look for that person you can talk to, that person that's going to be reasonable. Because there are far more reasonable people out there than people that are hating. And if we can reach those that are reasonable, we can actually turn the tide. I mean, I, I, I love doing something like this uh, because I'll sit in our local little gin joint and my husband would always, my late husband would always crack up and I'd be talking to someone that sits on the left side of the fence and I love it, the, the bar or whatever the restaurant has a news program on. And I'll use the news program and we'll start talking about whatever's going on. And at the end of the conversation, I'll look at the person and says, you know what, we got more in common than you think because we're both thinking along the same lines. We may be approaching a little bit differently, but the end result is we're both agreeing on something here. When that light bulb mm-hmm. goes off, you know you won. No, I totally agree. And, you know, um, that's one of the good things also, again, I, I hate to keep touting my platform, but um, it actually comes into play is, you know, you'll have those hardcore left and those hardcore right individuals that are going after each other all the time, so, you know, and it, it should be intelligent debates, but sometimes it's pretty much, you know, unintelligible, if you know what I mean. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it's it's something that, you know, we, we have a good group of individuals. I mean, conservatives, true conservatives are some of the best people in the world that would really give their shirt off their back and actually would sit and listen to others' opinion and, you know, not force anything down anyone's throat. But, you know, in a world where we're conditioned to hate each other right now, um, it's kind of like an oasis. And, uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, when, when this president that we have right now, if you want to refer to him as that, was going to be the one to unify the parties. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just gotten worse and worse and worse in terms of division and hate. And, you know, until we stop this, you know, the media conditioning and, you know, even, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the whistleblower and, um, you know. Uh, oh, I don't, I don't, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> but, yeah, you could just see how much angst and animosity is in between these people rather than, you know, they cannot sit there and state that, hey, this really happened, or, you know, they're trying to do anything to discredit these these whistleblowers, and even in the media, they're calling them Jim Jordan's whistleblowers. I mean, it's such a stark contrast. Like, the one thing to me that um, Democrats really need to brush up on is actually getting common sense and thinking for themselves. Absolutely. I mean, I, I listened to Debbie, what's her name? I won't even go with her full name. Debbie, what's Walker her name? Walkerman Schultz. Schultz. Yeah. No, I said, what's her name? What's her name? Oh, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? Uh, yep, I do. She was turning around. She was saying, "Well, the FBI doesn't recognize them as whistleblowers. Uh, that's not how the whistleblower law is written, Debbie. What's your right. name, Schultz?" And Jim Jordan was good and right at pointing it out. That's not how the law is written. The FBI doesn't get to determine that the person ratting them out is actually ratting them out because you you're going to accuse me of doing something bad. I'm going to turn around and admit the fact that you're right. I don't think so. That's no, not how the I FBI mean, and bureaucrats yeah. work. You, know, you hit uh, that perfectly on the head. And, and Wasserman Schultz, to me, should have 
probably been investigated by the FBI for what she did in the election and, and just in the primary with Bernie Sanders trying to slander his name in the South and um, then working, you know, hand in hand with Clinton um, in many different avenues. Um, I, I don't even know mm-hmm. how she's still in politics, to be honest with you. But yeah, um, but yeah. I hear you on that. <laughs> We're going and off then, on a tangent now. Have, <laughs> but you also had the representative from the Virgin Islands, which my mother and father lived for a long time. Um, oh, okay. And I'm listening to her and I said, excuse me, are you even on the same planet, lady? <laughs> and everything she said was a complete lie. Now, what I found annoying was that other female, the one that was wearing that crazy pink jacket or whatever color the jacket that was, uh, the heavyset woman with the blonde hair, uh, deliberately interrupting. And when Jim Jordan goes, well, we can do this all day, and she kept on going and going. It's like, I think someone finally tapped her in the ribs and told her to shut the heck up. But if you watch yeah. this and you watch how they are trying to corrupt an honest hearing, it, it, it makes you wonder if there is any sanity left in our government. No, and I'll tell you what, uh, Anne, it's, um, it's a scary time. I mean, I'm sitting there yesterday and I'm like, you know, you, you've heard that term, don't make a federal case out of this. I mean, I think everyone's heard of that um, to where, you know, it, it's a very big deal when someone gets indicted. and It's a very big deal when they go through this, you know, criminal process. The fact that you can't trust the FBI now, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, who actually investigates the FBI? Who can actually go in there and prosecute these people for doing what they do? And um, it, it's, it's really mind-boggling, and it's actually quite scary to really think about that, you know, this is – we are at an actual breaking point here in, in our country to where it, it, it could be lawlessness. I mean, it seems like the FBI right now is lawless. Uh, who's going to invest the FBI but the FBI? And the exactly. The, I, I guess the inspector general the FBI does, to but, investigate them, but yeah, they task who? Uh, Someone from it within the FBI it, to investigate the FBI. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, to be quite honest. Yeah, it is. And it will come to a boil because now the American people are seeing what's going on. And if you watch a lot of these uh, (laughs) other news organizations, you're starting to see the light bulb go off a little bit at a time. You're still going to have the hardcore lefters, the socialists. You're still going to have those hardcore. But you're starting to see some of them going, oh, wait a minute. Maybe there is a problem here. And maybe something that we have been shouting from the top of the mountain for the last 20 years may have some truth to it. Maybe this does have some traction. And we can't shut up now because I think we're getting traction, Jason. I think we're getting that traction. I really do as well. I I truly do. And I'm glad to be at least playing some part of a a role in that. I mean, um, you know, free speech is what our country was founded upon, and I will keep pushing it until – the day I die, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, I'm going to start putting a lot more postings up on Realster, and I'm going to first sign up for that one and get some postings up mm-hmm. on Wimkin, because thank you for approving me. See how easy it is, folks, to go you into so it, Wimkin? I mean, that's how easy it was. You just turn around and say, Great. get your ass over <laughs> and get me approved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh I mean that's the thing. We we work um again, we obviously we want to keep the cleanest platform and you know, I re-signed up for Twitter after I lost 700,000 followers on Twitter and you know, now I have a whopping like 500 people on there. And I'm not even kidding and 
I get I have more messages from scammers than I've actually put tweets out. So, you know, and when he said he cleaned um, 50% of the platform of bots and things, you know, I don't believe much of what, of what he said. And obviously with his new Twitter hire as well for the CEO, with the World Economic Forum ties, with her, you know, having a vaccine campaign with Pope Francis, with her, her literally telling him basically when they first met, you know, at a live um, symposium where she was interviewing him that, you need to moderate content. I really think Twitter is going to be dead in terms of free speech here in the next three to four months. Uh, I'm kind of agreeing with you because I find that I put a lot of postings out there and I'm not getting a lot of response where I used to. Um, I will get maybe three or four people that will repost something I put up and that's it. Mm. And meanwhile, it was showing, I think... I, I may be wrong if it was either Facebook or Twitter, but there's something like I, at one point I had something around 10,000. And the last time I looked at my account, I think it was down to 656. Now, excuse me. How do you wow. go from 10,000 to 656? <clears throat> I know yeah, Facebook I mean, is somewhere I... around four or 5,000, but that was even a higher number at one point too. Now, YouTube, I'm down to seven. <laughs> That's it. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean, it, you know, one thing I can tell you is you'll be safe with us. And uh, But um, last thing I'll tell you, too, about um, just Twitter. I mean, <clears throat> I re-signed back up when, um, when Musk took it back over. I was like, okay, there could be some hope here. And then the very first thing I did is I paid $500 to run an ad for Realster, which has absolutely nothing to do with Twitter. It's not a competitor platform or anything. And then they immediately banned my ad account because it was for a competitive platform. So I can't even, I can't even post ads anymore or anything of that nature. So, you know, I, I just... I don't trust anything that's going on there. I understand that he needs to hire somebody because he lost most of his advertisers, meaning that he's, he's doing very badly for his shareholders. So, you know, I commend him for at least trying to make a change in terms of actually getting his shareholders' money back, but um, it's not going to be what he promised, and all the conservatives that came back are definitely going to leave. Yeah, I mean, I, I post maybe once a week, and that's it. I don't even look at it. I used to look at it all the time. I don't anymore. Uh, and the same thing with Facebook. I, I like post, post up my Tea Party meetings. I still run one since 2009. And I post up the show. I, I'm not on the social networks like we used to be because we've gotten so turned off. I mean, I would rather send out an email blast to my members than to go onto social media and find all that work I did. It was just a waste of time. And that's how we basically feel. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, um, the amount of, you know, the amount of growth we had that we were actually being number one in the app stores and everything, um, and to actually lose our Facebook page at the same time, have PayPal ban us, to have, you know, Capital One even ban me from my own personal account because we were selling Trump memorabilia and we had a free speech platform that was, you know, collecting subscriptions from people. I mean, they all work together. They really do. And then after all those things, we beat all those bans. The next thing for them to do is send the J6 committee after us. So, um, you know, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. We keep, we keep servers in different countries just in case we ever have to move them off of the United States, you know. Um, and, I mean, it, it's, it's like that. It's like, it's like a, free speech is technically a war if you think about it. It is right now. And we're on the front line. And thank you for being the general on the front line because we need more generals like you, more platforms like yours. And you know what, Jason? You're welcome to come back anytime. Oh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I, I have, I've seen some of your articles, and I, I love the show. So keep up doing what you're doing, and I'm really glad to hear about your growth.
Oh, thank you so much, and God bless you, sir. You too. Thank you again. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, Jason Shepard, check him out at Realster, R-E-E-L-S-T-E-R, as well as Wimkin, W-I-M-K-I-N. And let's welcome back to the show. We gave her a week off. And a lot has happened during the week, so now we can turn around and land blaster all over again, hit her with everything, and see if she can knock it out of the ballpark. Hannah Davis of Heritage Foundation. Good afternoon, Hannah. Welcome back. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, since we last talked, Title 42 hit the wayside. Uh, did we see a drop in immigration by any chance? Hmm? <laughs> No, no, not at all. <laughs> you said you hear the little facetiousness in me, but um, I got into an argument with my fiance until he finally saw the light. Um, he was watching all these other news programs. And I'm saying, they're lying, they're lying, they're lying. And he's saying, well, the numbers are dropping, the numbers are dropping. I says, no, you don't understand what they're doing. Our government, this administration, is in collusion with the Mexicans on the other side. And they're controlling just how many people come across at what time of the day. They're playing a shell number game with us. Am I looking at this correctly? You are. There's actually a, there was an 8% increase in illegal immigration through the ports of entry. So the Biden administration has basically told these illegal aliens to stop uh, trying to smuggle their way through and just come through a port of entry. We'll let you go. We'll give you a court date that's four or seven years away from now. We don't care if you come in under a fake name. And that's what they're doing. They're listening to the man. Well, it, it used to be you had it within a year or so. And it, the time frame has gone longer and longer and longer. And you're saying now it's between four and seven years? Yeah. I mean, there's people that have got court dates that are for the soonest I've seen is 2024, and that's rare. I've seen them as far out as 2027. Wow. Are they still giving them the Obama phones? <laughs> yes. yes, they're giving them brand new phones once they get processed through, and um, apparently that's how they're supposed to be checking in on the CBP-1 app. But the app itself, is um, it, can't, it can't take that many people. It's been crashing over and over. Well, you know, what I, I find, and I, I, I say I was laughing, but it's really – truly sad because as you see them crossing over you see them on the mexican or the what other side they're on you see them coming across they already have cell phones or smart devices and yet we go ahead and give them another one courtesy of the obama administration program um why do we have an answer for that well, why do we do anything? We give them everything. We give them health care. We give them driver's license. We're giving them the ability to vote in local elections. We're, we're paying for their children to get in-state tuition to schools. I mean, we're putting them before our own citizens, and the American people deserve better. Yeah. Well, we saw, according to the charts that you, you wonderfully put up on Heritage.org, we saw the fact that crime and other things have decreased underneath the Trump administration and it has just exploded under this current administration. But the only reason why they could be trying to flood us now with illegal aliens, and no, they're not undocumented workers, they're illegal aliens, uh, is to then grant them easy citizenship, which once they have a driver's license or a government ID, 
who's going to prevent them from voting and being recognized as an illegal as as, as a legal resident uh, is to change the way in which we vote and forever change what party leads our country. Exactly, that's exactly right. Um, they'll eventually get um, granted amnesty and they'll be able to vote. And, and some states are so lax, even the ones that don't give out driver's license to illegal aliens will still allow illegal aliens to vote, unbeknownst to them, because they'll they have such such um, lax voter laws. You know, if you can show any proof of ID. Some places, some states, that's uh, a, a bill, a utility bill um, that shows your residency. Um, some places, that's a, an ID to a community college. So what the states can do is they can they can start enacting much harsher, I guess you could say, or stricter uh, voter registration laws. And and with that will will come a, a, the effect where they can't vote um, and they won't be able to sway our elections. Well, you know, here in South Carolina, we like to consider ourselves very conservative. But we still have in place motor voter. They still have yes. it in place. And it, it, it blows my mind because I went up, I was there with my fiancé, and he speaks with an accent. But automatically, would you like motor voter? Right. And, and how do you know this individual? You didn't ask for any proof of citizenship, even though he doesn't exactly. have it. But the fact that it wasn't even asked. And that, that that's that's two things me. states can do. They can they mm-hmm. can make sure that you know the definition for residency includes legal lawful um, definitions, and um, they can also couple that with denying um, any form of uh, access to driver's license and thus voting. Um, if, if states, if every state just did those two things, they our elections would be a lot more uh, protected. Um, from illegal aliens being able to vote. And that chart you mentioned earlier, you know, if you look, it hasn't been updated. But all the other, all the other CBP and Border Patrol, all the other numbers are up. Um, and it's interesting to me that, you know, they've updated all of their numbers except for the ones that uh, deal directly with crimes committed by illegal aliens. And I wonder what's going on that they want to keep from us. So, and if you look at the, um, the terror watch list, the numbers are astounding, absolutely terrifying. We've had 16 arrested in April alone, 16 illegal aliens that were on the terror watch list. That's more than fiscal year 17 to fiscal year 2020 combined. So wow. It's, yeah, it's bad. You know, well, you're a pit bull. You will find out what's going on because you are the research assistant at Heritage for Border Security and Immigration. You, we will get those numbers up there. I know that. <laughs> so I'm counting on you. We all are counting on you. But we were talking about, you know, the motor voter thing, and this is what struck me also, because at the time that this was happening when I was there in motor vehicles, a gentleman came in who had moved in from another state. Uh, mm-hmm. He had moved in, got a new job here. Uh, they asked him for proof that he moved in with a bill, a new address, and here he was. It was, you, I mean, he was as apple pie as you can get, and mm-hmm. yet... The person that spoke with the accent, you didn't ask. And you should be asking every single individual, not this person here and not that, only that person there. This is where we have with the enforcement of the agencies that everything is done uniform. You can have the laws on the books, but if they're not adhered to, it means diddly squat, right? That's exactly right. There should be no discretion when it comes to enforcing um, voter laws, immigration laws, um, but unfortunately, in the current administration has kind of set a precedent, and that's what we do. That's what we do here in the U.S., and so the states are, are likely to follow. 
and down that's to the unfortunate. Local well, yeah. here's the other problem now, because now they already have their state-issued ID. Uh, they go to vote. Now, in some areas, uh, certain states, they, oh, they can only vote in local uh, elections, like for dog catcher or school board, uh, but they can't vote on anything more serious than that. How do you mm-hmm. prevent that? Just how? How, how do you, what how do you, do you prevent do? them have from what? voting at all? Exactly. I'm listening. It's, an, it's, it's another way to get your foot in the door, and it's not just the foot. They're throwing the whole, whole cinder block through the door. They're, they're knocking it wide open. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's letting the camel's nose in the tent, um, essentially. And um, basically, states they need to they need to redefine in their legal code what a what a lawful resident is. They need to redefine the the laws that and the requirements for applying for driver's license. And they should probably go ahead and pass laws that double up on those and say. And by the way, regardless, there's no illegal um, alien allowed to vote in our in our in our state and local elections because you're just right. It's going to be petition-based, smaller things, school board, or as you said, the dog catcher. And, and, and once you let the camel's nose in the tent, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle is going to open up. It's like Pandora's box. And so um, the whole tent's coming down. Happening. Yes, the whole tent's going to fall over. Um, and we're seeing that a lot in, in sanctuary cities, um, and it's going to catch up to them. And so that's another thing. If you, if you just be in a sanctuary city and stop allowing illegal um, aliens to harbor within, within your town, um, that'll – That'll, that'll nip that in the bud pretty quickly. You know, we can't rely on the federal government to do too much right now under the current administration, but the states have a lot of power and a lot more power than I think sometimes they'd like to use. And um, if, if we go ahead and, and change lawful resident definitions and codes and, you know, don't let them get driver's license, don't let utility bills and community college um, IDs uh, allow someone to vote, um, that'll, that'll curb it. That'll curb it real quick. And, um, to bring back the integrity of our elections as a whole as well. I mean, it's astounding how many illegal aliens are um, have have voted in past elections or how many people have voted twice, that kind of thing, or voted um, in jurisdictions that they shouldn't have been voting in at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm shaking my head because I am afraid if we don't get this administration – uh, to start adhering to our immigration laws, we may forever lose this nation because uh, whoever becomes president after this is going to have to do a reversal. And then how are you going to locate? We've got millions. We don't have hundreds of thousands. We have millions of illegal aliens mm-hmm. now buried in the fabric of our nation that we may never be able to find. I would say the vast majority we will never be able to find. You may get a strong administration in there, and some people some people will self deport themselves. But those yeah. that have nefarious uh, purposes here, like how many Chinese uh, age illegal aliens have come across the border? How many from uh, 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 oh, good lord, brain fart? Uh, radical Islamic nations have come across our border that we are aware of. And you said known terrorist lists. We yeah. have military-aged men coming across, and the, we don't know where they're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had over 1.5 million illegal alien gotaways, and there's there's no tracking them. 
there's, I think some people have a little bit of hope that you'll be able to track the ones we've given the phones or the ankle monitors or the court dates 10 years from now. And, and maybe you can say there's a little bit of hope for that. I mean, they're not going to show up to their court dates, and we're not going to be able to track them. But I can understand where someone's coming from when, when, when they have a little bit of hope about that. But the, the, over, the pushing now, 2 million gotaways, no. We're never going to see them again. And they're going to continue to, to proliferate crime and, and whatnot in our, in our local communities. Well, I think the turning point is going to be New York City, because what is going on there today in New York City, once it erupts, I do believe it will explode across the nation and maybe start that reversal, because he's housing illegal immigrants, illegal aliens in hotels, uh, in school Mm -hmm. gyms, in, in other facilities where they should not be. Now, as I saw the news this morning, 50% of the hotel rooms currently in New York City are housing illegal aliens. And yeah, who do you think got tourist season? Tourist season's right around the corner. Yet those rooms that were originally housing our displaced homeless veterans have been evicted to make room for illegal aliens. Wait a wait, wait a minute. Men and women that served our nation and gave us their all and are now in need of our help, we displace to put individuals who cost illegally into our country for whatever reason, good or bad, and we're bending over backwards to help them with housing and food and clothing and medical and education and you name it, and Obama phones, can't forget the Obama phones, and we evict our military men and women, our veterans that we owe everything to. I'm pissed. Exactly right. I don't know about the rest of the listeners, but I'm pissed. I'm right there with you. And, yeah, the public school gyms are now simply just being used to house asylum seekers. And so not only are we kicking out, um, you know, our homeless veterans or um, or, or even if they're not homeless veterans, I mean, they're still U.S. citizens. We're kicking out our U.S. citizens from hotel rooms and and giving them to uh, illegal aliens. But we're also kicking the kids. They can't do gym when, you know, the gym's housing 600 you know, so, so-called so asylum seekers, you know, and that's dangerous. You know, these people haven't been vetted. We don't know their their past. We don't know if they're smugglers. We don't know anything. You know, we don't know if they're human traffickers. The, the Biden administration just tells them to come here, and there's, like, hardly any time to vet them, and then they're here. They're taking up our hotels. You're exactly right, and they're taking up our school gyms. And um, to the outrage of, of a lot of parents, a lot of them um, Hispanic as well, you know, nobody wants that around their children. And um, it's a it's a shame. It's a crying shame. Well, the worst part about that is in the schools, there's no guarantee you're going to be able to control them to remain in one area of that school. So they're going to have access to the cafeterias, to the bathrooms, to the locker rooms. They're going to be interacting with these children. We don't know what diseases are coming across. We don't know if they're pedophiles or if they're human traffickers or if they're drug dealers or they're just freaking crazy. And they're coming there to the most vulnerable population of our society, our children. And yet we've got record obesity and health problems with our children because they're not getting enough exercise. And we take the one thing away from them that keep them at least moderately, a little bit healthy. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And then the ones that are hanging out at the hotel rooms, I mean, I've seen reports from people who work at the hotels that it's just, it's, I mean, there's, there's trash everywhere. They're demolishing rooms, putting holes in the walls. There's fights breaking out. There's drug violence. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a good show. Um, it's basically tent cities. And, you know, I can think of, you know, one, you know, if, if, if the Biden administration is going to 
house these people up in hotel rooms or, you know, up in schools, you know, they could have just detained them at the border. You know, they could have not slashed ice beds by 25%. You know, they could have kept them, you know, where they were at and where they were supposed to be until they were properly vetted and either deported or released with a court date. You know, they could have done that. But instead, they're like, no, we're going to take it out on the American citizens. We're going to fill the schools with them and we're going to fill the hotels with them. And it just it doesn't it doesn't even make sense. It's so backwards. The policies are backwards. Yeah, go ahead, Curtis. I know you're chomping at the bit. <laughs> yeah, Hannah, I know I know we we hear a lot about Governor Ron DeSantis, but from my memory, we have more red states than we have blue states. And if we have more red state governors um, showing, you know, some form of leadership, like you see out of Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, I think that would change um, a lot of things in this country, and it would impact the um, upcoming election. Now, I know not every red state governor controls both houses and their capitals, but with leadership, you know, you, you would think that um, that would go a long ways in um, protecting our rights and um, doing what is right. What is your thoughts on that? I completely agree, and even if it doesn't create a cascading domino effect to other states, at least their citizens within their states will be safe. You know, um, what was Ed? DeSantis, he recently passed that um, E-Verify, you know, and if you don't use E-Verify, regardless if you're a seasonal agricultural worker or you're someone at a mom-and-pop shop, you'll be fine. It's little <laughs> things like that states can do to protect their own citizens from illegal aliens and from and even if they're they're harmless even if they're non-violent illegal aliens they still shouldn't be riding off the backs of american taxpayers and so it's, it's little things like that and and hopefully when more states do step up and see that you know it shouldn't be such a partisan issue immigration laws it should they're just they're just common sense issues and um there's common sense laws we can pass and and, and other states hopefully will see that and they'll start acting i mean um, these sanctuary cities, these blue states, it's already catching them. It's already catching up to them. I mean, New York City can't handle the busloads Abbott sends to them. Denver can't ha- handle the, the busloads Abbott sends to them. They're, they're, they're starting to realize that they can't, they, can't, they can't do both. You can't protect your own citizens while allowing illegal immigration to just, to just harbor illegal aliens in your cities. You have to pick one, and hopefully they'll, they'll stand up and pick their own citizens for once. Well, what's happening is these sanctuary cities no longer can handle it. So what do they do? They bust out the excess to outlying communities. And that's not going too well, is it, Hannah? No, it's not. It's not. These 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 people, they're like we said a few times already, these people aren't vetted. You know, we don't know who they are, what their history is. A lot of them come in, you know, with, with um, different names. I mean, that Honduran national. That, that broke today. You know, he was released by the Biden administration, and he was just charged with raping a teenage girl. And he came in, he came in through a different name. Um, and he had some sob story claiming credible fear. And, and there's, there's just no vetting. There's no vetting anymore. And it's a crying shame because it's only going to affect the U.S. citizens. And, and um, that, 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 that example of the Honduran national is just one. And it's something that the sanctuary cities see a lot more than the non-sanctuary cities. And hopefully, you know, common sense practices will, will start to override their political ambitions when it comes to just following the, the, the current administration 
Um, and I think um, I think it, it's starting it's starting to slowly happen. New York City, you know, they they uh, they say they can't take any more. Then then change your sanctuary policies. You know, so it's one thing to actually see the left say something that we've always known that they wouldn't be able to take anymore. So it's starting to slowly happen. They're starting to slowly wake up, um, and hopefully, a lot faster than than it took for them to get here. Hopefully, um, um, more states will notice that too. And if the states start, you know, de-incentivizing illegal aliens from being in their states, then they won't come here. They won't come here. Well, we have to start first by taking federal funding away from these NGOs, these non-government agencies that are aiding the migrants coming over. They get thousands upon thousands of dollars per body they bring over. Mm -hmm. Plus they get the additional monies of subsidies for every program they get them signed up with, be it Section 8 housing, welfare, food stamps, Medicaid, whatever. They get a piece of the pie. Plane tickets. We cut that pie. Plane tickets, yeah. Excuse me. If we cut the NGs off at the knees and say, hey, listen, you're supposed to be a nonprofit, so make your way through only donations, the Catholic bishops, the Lutheran church. Uh, If you want to be truly a Christian charity, then depend upon pure charity. So people that do support illegal aliens, let them dig into their own pockets to subsidize these individuals, not the American taxpayer. Cut it off right there. And you know what? We just might see a large mile of that border being closed because now they're not going to be incentivized to go across the border and say, well, this is how you get across the border by claiming asylum because you're in fear of your life because of whatever. Let's yeah. cut them off right there. They give them a blueprint and they say, this is what you say, this is what you don't say. And, uh, oh, by the way, here's some money for, you know, uh, uh, an immigration lawyer while we're at it. Here's some clothes. Here's your phone. Here's all of this. And, and I agree. If, if people who worked for NGOs spent half of the time they do trying to facilitate illegal immigration into actually helping streamline legal immigration, oh, we'd be in such a better place. But it's just not where their mindset <laughs> is. But you're, you're well, absolutely then- right. If, if we cut them, not at the knees, but at the ankles. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, find out who's printing all these T-shirts and signs that they carry across. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. You use Chase Bank. You use PayPal. I'm sorry. We're not going to allow them to be recognized as a bank in the United States anymore. I'm sorry. You can't use it. Oh, no. <laughs> I want to know who's printing all these T-shirts and signs and who's who, who's marching them in group and providing the buses and everything else they're riding to get across. No one's asking those questions, and we need to ask those questions too, Hannah. Hannah, we're down to our last few minutes on the show. It's so much fun having you with us always, and you never know what this administration is going to hand us because they're always handing us something to run with. That's for sure. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it is It is our pleasure, and keep up the good work. God bless you. People can find you at heritage.org where you work hard and tirelessly for us. God bless. All right, Curtis, we are down to our last few minutes. Uh, we do know that Ambassador um, Kubicki, the uh, Polish Council General uh, here to the United States uh, in New York, has said he would like to be with us next week. He could not be with us today because of a last-minute okay. uh, meeting that I got called into. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. So hopefully he will join us uh, next week. Um, I've got some uh, other people that wanted to come in next week, too. i got to take a look at my list. 
Uh, but mm-hmm. tomorrow I'm heading up to Columbia, South Carolina as a delegate for the South Carolina uh, State GOP uh, and see what we come up with. I've got some questions I want to ask and some resolutions that will help change uh, the path that we are on and bring us more into a uh, conservative pathway for our party. We've got to take back the GOP from the rhinos, the winos and the rhinos. <laughs> that yeah, that? so keep us informed on the um, going on, you know, which I'll come up with. Yeah. And it was a pleasure having Lucretia Hughes uh, pop in. Um, i got to make oh, sure yeah. I still have her phone number with me because I was going to call her when I saw her phone number Wednesday. And yesterday I was getting ready to call her at Wilson. I ended up being rushed to the hospital, which was no fun. Uh, but uh, it is, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I'll send you her number. I'll send you her number. Yeah, I, I probably do have it on my phone, but uh, i got to rush as soon as I get out of here into another direction. I want to thank everyone that joined us. We had some new people in the studio, some new people over in the chat over on um, uh, Blog Talk Radio. I want to welcome those that came in. I did not check Facebook uh, or YouTube, but uh, thank you for joining us over there. And, yes, I see Duck was over at YouTube. Ah, see, I see. I am paying a little attention, and of course, James was over on my homepage. So yeah, we got people showing up all over the place. I am going to go over to Realster and get the show posted over there, also, as well as Wimkin. Uh, check it out over there. But that's all I got, and I leave everyone with my friend Gary Pecarella, uh, Save America, and that's what we got for now, Curtis. So I say right. good night and God bless until next week. We're waiting for my little computer. Yeah, my computer is being a little stubborn. It's not giving me the next scene. There it is. Let's get that up. All right, and here we go. Gary Pecorella, Save America. Oh, oh. Here we go. Come on. God bless America and the red, white, and blue.